and welcome to episode 283 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett. Alex Jones has decided to join us this week. And once again, we have no sign of Jack Harper. Last few times with Jack, I feel I have made excuses on his part. Some legitimate, some I've been probably kind. Um, but today, no real excuse. Uh, late, late pull out. Uh, I don't know if it's due with Chelsea's form. don't know if it's... Uh, to do with the other London teams perhaps having more time in the limelight or if he just quite simply can't be bothered to join us. But anyway, um, we'll make do with you being back, Alex, um, and we'll see how the episode takes us. Thanks. That makes me feel really special. All good. (laughs) Obviously, plenty that I'd love to hear from you on today. So don't you worry. Don't you feel unwanted for just a second uh, until we get to the boxing, maybe. Um, news of the week then Actually, something that was on, on my mind literally about two minutes before we started here so got back from the football last night and I was just flicking through for something easy to watch um, and as I was enjoying what I was watching I thought there's no way I can come on here and explain that I was watching the women's college national beach volleyball championship game without sounding like a creep like a creep yeah yeah and i think that's a real shame for volleyball particularly beach volleyball that you can't Mm. enjoy a game (laughs) without having these connotations put upon you because i was well into it okay luke line of questioning for you from a sporting perspective what were the things that caught your eye well well, alex my main defense actually is going to be that i wasn't looking at many of them thinking oh you know what this is why I'm tuning in here. Now, no detriment to them, but it wasn't what you would see. Do you ever have the uh, Extreme Sports channel that came as like part of the package where I think they would just yeah. tag it on to make it look better? And you'd flick through there and as like a 15-year-old kid, you scroll past and they've got like uh, lingerie football going on. Like beach volleyball has those kind of vibes around it and that's just absolutely not the case. Yeah. Effectively, well, I, think- I think you had a team of like eight and there was four games going on, and basically it was a best of whatever. But kind of like uh, where you'd have, if your school was big enough and you'd have multiple football teams, you'd have the A team and the B team, but some schools would be cheeky and put their A teams against the other team's B team just to guarantee themselves some wins. So I don't know how they do it in that sense, but it was it was pretty good. Pulling out all the it, stops. The, it's always... I, I don't know the when it's on in the Olympics. Just because it's part of the Olympics, I feel like the tone changes with any sports. Really, well, because I don't have any other sports. But as soon as you take it outside the Olympics, it becomes a different kind of. Uh, well, it, like you said, it was a Florida crowd as well. They were pumped up. <laughs> well, so, what, well, watching the... flicking Eurosport at about nine o'clock on a Sunday evening. Look. Well, I saw watch... the, I saw the best quality around. This was the national championship game, but but maybe well, watching, you could be charmed in. Watching the Americans can get pumped up for anything. I mean, they had the debut uh, Miami Grand Prix um, at the weekend, and uh, watching some of the way, like watching the way that some of those got pumped up for certain elements of the race. It was like they are they seeing something I'm not here because I'm not <laughs> I'm not getting this pumped. Well, I was going to say that. I kind of had hesitations before bringing this up on here because I realized the connotations. I also realized as the sentence left my mouth, that effectively 
I didn't think they were that good looking enough you, to mean that I yeah. should have the stick. So, I thought that's probably worse than the connotations I, I was initially going to get. I was about to say, I'll tell you what will help you get out of trouble, Luke. Calling them pigs. That'll really help. <laughs> well, no, they were I wasn't interested in them anyway, actually, because they were all ugly. That'll, should, that should help the sexist look, connotations. But they weren't well, pigs. Well, 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 hold on, hold so on a second. I'm getting <laughs> so confused. Far are, you, are you saying that we've moved away from pig racing to pig volleyball now? Alex, if, <laughs> if, you, if you could put that in front of me now, I'd stop this recording just to go and see it because that sounds incredible. <laughs> it's good enough when they're I've... jumping over a little hurdle, let alone if they're teeing each other up to get it over the net. <laughs> hey, so that's oh. a foul. You didn't see it up. Get it out of here. There's a lot of foul with pigs. I was actually thinking when I was looking through the movie Madness fixtures that I already know my favorite scene is going to be the Christmas party where Reese Witherspoon is just walking around with that little pig in her hands. <laughs> So, pig news for this week. Uh, there's no more of that. But on to the actual news of the week. Um, if that was anyone's first introduction to the podcast just there, I'd say you've probably saved yourself about two hours because that's probably a lot of what you're going to get in particular news of the week moving forward. So I would apologize, but probably saved you a lot of time. Um well, yeah, let's see this. News of the week. Lightning blows up toilet after travelling through apartment building's exhaust vent. That's bad luck, ain't it? Turn the shock. Christ. Alligator what? breaks into garage and drinks gallons of Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> I feel uh... like that is a sign of where you're living being dangerous, where you need the specifications of the alligator breaking in and drinking Diet Coke. Like an alligator breaking into your garage isn't news enough. You have to add a bit of spice on there to make it really worth it. It is kind maybe of crazy. Just, uh, maybe it was a promo. Maybe it was a promo by Coke. I've been like excited that, seeing alligator. a hedgehog in my back garden. It, it, An alligator. It is pretty mad, isn't it? There's certain places, like certain places in America, where they'll just routinely be like, "Well, I can't let the dog out at the minute because the coyote is going to eat." Yeah. Like, that's a little bit weird. I don't know if that's cool. Oh yeah. But, uh, do you see that? There was that tweet a while back where you say about coyotes, where someone was saying like, "Is there anything I can do to kind of put them off?" Because we've had four cats now, and the coyotes have got them. And people said, "You're just feeding them at this point. You're not. <laughs> this isn't a prevention method. You're literally feeding the coyotes." <laughs> It does remind me of, um, it was, I think it was Planet Earth, um, but it was like the last episode was, it centered around how the world, that like nature is integrating into um, like the, the uh, structured world in like cities and all that kind of stuff. And this one, I think it was India somewhere, maybe Sri Lanka, but it's, it was a leopard. These leopards were on the prowl, <laughs> kind of within the city limits, and it was like they were filming live, watching this leopards sort of prowling around in this, a suburban area. And you had like local, leopards in a, yeah. leopards in a imagine suit. Seeing a, imagine seeing a leopard on your local on your on your <laughs> morning commute. Yeah, leopards in a suit, ready to go to the office. Oh, fucking hell! Don't need never mind all that this, morning. Never mind all this cold shower stuff to wake you up or caffeine. That'll, that'll do you. That'll do you nicely. That leopard. Putting us back in the food chain is probably a good way of fixing things, I think. Because nothing <laughs> nothing would be as stressful anymore. Oh, energy prices have gone through the roof. I might get eaten on the way to work. 
yeah, you alleviates see... all your other concerns. In um, A Quiet Place Part 2, where at some point in the film you see kind of a village that the monsters haven't got to, no one's bickering there. Because they know what's on the outside. They know that we're not the top dogs. And <laughs> everyone seems so much happy, happier for it until until the inevitable happens, obviously. I, I feel I feel like we're getting to we're getting very, very close to having like a deep conversation here. I think we need to steer away from this uh, <laughs> this 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 oh, uh, news on the latest Quiet Place sequel on Movie Madness this week. So uh, tune in for that. Uh, Alex, I feel like you don't like the Fast and Furious films, despite them being just about everything I would list off in a film that I would recommend to you. No, 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 I don't dislike the Fast and Furious films. I think they are what they are. Okay. I think, like, don't, don't get me wrong, like, if you go in expecting a realistic, um, realistic within the laws of physics experience, which, you know, it, it that isn't American, then uh, I, you're going to get upset. But, I mean... Is AJ watching these films thinking like, well, he would never pay the insurance on this. That just isn't going to work. <laughs> yeah. Five versus no, the no. Italian job this Friday. Yeah, good, good With match. Sean. Sean. I trust. I trust it is the more re, the the remake Italian job with um uh, kicking kicking Luke. Luke well, TK, you say this. Um, Sean was annoyed when I told him it's the original we're doing. Um, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> and, no, 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 I, no, I just assumed that it was. Just not saying that the original is isn't like the the what new does one. Alex, think of this pod. Uh, think of the movie madness podcast. He assumes we'd be doing the remake. Just like, lacking a bit of culture there, both of them, frankly. Well, I, it was more of a, <laughs> it's more of a, you've got it matched up against Fast and Furious. So <laughs> that's, I was the point. that's the point. So we've got the parallels. Okay. Yeah, but sometimes, sometimes you go with films that are similar, and it's like who's done it better? Like you've got Lord of War versus War Dogs at some point, so you know that yeah, is that was just the two of them had war in the name essentially. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't don't ruin the magic of the podcast. Dude. There's a lot yeah, more to it um, We've got Sorry. gangs of New York against Gangster Squad as well. If you can see a pattern here as you go down the list, <laughs> it's weird. If you hadn't said it, I don't think anyone would have clocked it either. Luke. Don't think they would have. No. Um, didn't put American Hustle against American History X, so there is a bit of thought in there. Um, what other headlines have we got this week? Woman marries cat to stop landlords from separating them. Apparently there was a clause that they wouldn't allow pets, but they had no say over your, like, your spouse. Well, no what yeah. kind you were bringing in, so uh, yeah. That that was their extreme way of uh, getting it done. I don't know who was marrying them is probably the yeah. bigger story there. Uh, Did you marry your cat, Luke, to to keep it? Times are hard, but then oh, I mean to keep it, yeah. But I mean, I thought we'd be going down a different path. I was going to say they're not that hard <laughs> yet. Um, U.S. government once planned to nuke the moon. Uh, I feel like I've heard this before. Yeah, yeah, I have. It feels very American. Um, the best thing about the, the world we live in now is that there'd be 50% of people going, well, yeah, that's obviously the right thing to do. <laughs> Just because, well, look, I've got to take the opposite side to these guys. So I've got to say this is a good idea. To who was going to nuke it first. What's the moon <laughs> for us? 
<laughs> Alex, um, I know you're a history man. Um, the National Pooh Museum has opened up in the Isle of Wight. Oh, oh, definitely yes. worth a trip. So if you can get a race over there or something, maybe stop, maybe stop in. Um, another headline where I don't even need to tell you the details and you can see where this is going. Uh, medics find two, two kilogram dumbbell in unexpected area. Oh, my word. <laughs> now, as I saw this headline outside of the realms of looking for news of the week, I can tell you that I did see the full story here and his reasoning. And it does go in the reasoning, <laughs> as you'd imagine. Uh, the dumbbell was found in his rectum, just to confirm. Oh. He claims he was in his own personal gym and he slipped. <laughs> oh. These people have some unfortunate slips, don't they? Yeah, there was no damage to his trousers or anything. Um, he must have just been lifting weights naked, which is... Seems to be covered in lube for some reason. <laughs> Primal. Primal. <laughs> Lifting weights naked feels like something that you would use in kind of a 90s horror film to like justify that this man's crazy. Like he would probably shave himself in the scene before and then he would just be lifting weights naked and you'd think, yep, this guy is mental and you'd need <laughs> no origin story after that. The guys, the guys in Pain and Gain would do that. American Psycho I mean, would the, do that. the Rock may do that anyway, if that's what you were getting at. <laughs> he just didn't include that when him and Mark Wahlberg started posting their workout routines, where I think it was Mark Wahlberg's that had 20 minutes to play golf, but 50 minutes for a shower. People use that as a genuine thing. Look how he lives his day. Yeah. What you should be doing. I don't know. He's not cramming in a nine-to-five in there as well. Uh, Alex, I know you once worked in a coffee shop. Uh, barista hospitalised after holding in farts for two years. Um, I don't know if anyone, this was a coffee maker thing or a... Say, right. What? Barista hospitalised after holding in farts for two years. Oh. Just, I guess he was an anxious or she was an anxious person who didn't want to let it out. But I, feel like I don't know got, why. I feel like that's got to be a woman. It might not be. Do you know any bloke that will hold in a fart longer than an hour? Uh, somebody who's maybe on their first date. Yeah. How like many did he go? Two years. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they were working for fifty first dates. Terrible gut health, but prolific on Tinder. Maybe they maybe they fancied somebody they were on shift with all the time. I don't know. This is just Drew Barrymore. It's just things have got that bad. This is fifty first dates three. There's a film in there, you know. There's a film opportunity. Maybe. Ended up dying with a burst colon. Seems a tough one to go on. Scientists reveal the world's most popular smell. Can you guess what it is? Uh, homemade, bre homemade bread. Actual. Uh, vanilla. Uh, far simpler uh, than either of yours. How depressing. Are you, is your favourite uh, flavour ice cream vanilla, Luke? It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my favourite, uh, my choice of McFlurry is uh, no toppings. <laughs> my, my I don't really like know that. why I'd want to crunch my ice cream. My, my missus is a bit like that. Her favourite is just plain vanilla. And she sort of like... She's That's enough info, Alex. We don't need to know anymore. 
Not on this podcast. <laughs> oh god, I'll have to. After you, you finally made a mention. You finally made it as a mention on the podcast, love. But unfortunately, <laughs> TK should, should I listen place. to this one? No, 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 don't, don't do it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, after saying all this, Alex TK likes ketchup on his. <laughs> um, now the picture did ruin this one for me but the headline I think you'll enjoy anyway uh, neighbour confuses old trampoline for elderly man unwell in the street oh I have seen I've seen the photo of uh, of of this without the this... photo what you would imagine that to be is so much better yeah someone's bouncing up and down before they realise it's just some poor old bloke <laughs> <laughs> instead it's just like it's folded up but the way the one of the pegs is broken it looks like a walking stick <laughs> and as I scrolled past the dear Deirdre section I saw I had a funny feeling about a guy I was dating turns out he's the father to my child whoa yeah, he was a one-night stand four years prior. That's wild. Hmm. I don't, I'm not quite sure how she only just ascertained <laughs> how many dates has she been on. Ah, oh, that's where I know you're from. There we go. Life's gone full circle. Yeah, that's one of them where, like, if you believe in that kind of thing anyway, you, you put that down and see, that, that's like the world wants us to be together. And he's probably going to say that when he gets in trouble or something. <laughs> the universe has a greater plan for us. Where have you been for the first, first four years of this kid's life? Well, I'm here now. <laughs> Fine. Well, that's it. See, how, is, how do they explain that to the kid at some stage? Uh, depends how, yeah. You've just got to how, be honest there, haven't you? I think you just say no. He was he was away on business for four years, <laughs> away on work. I saw um, when I was going through TikTok the other day some uh, podcast. I think it's one. I don't think it's KSI's one, but it's like someone who's kind of branched off from there. And they were interviewing some British porn star who looked horrendous. Um, I feel like I've been really horrible this episode, but if you saw the interview, you, you'd probably know. And they asked her, like, how are you going to tell your kids? And she's like, well, I've just got to be honest with them. Like, this is how I make my money. Like, it's it's not, I I feed my family, blah, blah, blah. And obviously, he's like 15 now, so he doesn't like it. And he, yeah, weird that. <laughs> weird. <laughs> weird. And he probably isn't going to like you going on here talking about the merits of fake taxi either. <laughs> oh, that must be a tough existence, because you wouldn't really be able to come up with anything if you were trying to mug someone off they'd just have it, have it on you every single time wouldn't they well that's the thing like I saw um, you can have a back and forth with anybody the carnage um, like and it may well have been set up on like the first episode of uh, Kim Kardashian's new show there was a clip that leaked and it's uh, her son playing some internet game and there's a pop up on the sides and it's her face crying and it references like uh, Kim K when, a, when the new tape is leaked or something like this, and he shows her and says, oh, look, it's you, blah, blah, blah. Um, she's oh, I don't want my kids to see this. First of all, they're definitely going to see this. <laughs> there's, not, <laughs> there's no way around it, sorry. That's... Second of all, at least they have the backup of, like, their mum is one of the richest women in the on the planet. It paid off. You can say that. It paid off. 
But this kid, his mum's, and she says later in the video, she probably gets about a grand for each film she does. Oh, listen, if if your mum's going to be a porn star, you want it to be a good one. That's the only two ways about it. There's only one thing worse than your mum being a porn star and that's your mum being a bad porn star. <laughs> Do you remember seeing people debating as if it was like a completely normal thing who the father of Lana Rhodes' child was? And you would just see, like, is it is it Kevin Durant? Is it Blake Griffin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah, probably that was... a far greater debate to be in than this one. <laughs> so there we go. The uh, nightmare scenario is that one of those kids is going to start watching a video, get half into this, and then get, hang on a minute. Yeah, that's that, your mum. That's where... Well, I really didn't think we were going to be going this direction, but I have one. That's where question. you go, you know I what, I started so I'll finish. Is that, is that what you're about to Yeah, say? yeah. Like, do you think <laughs> in this situation... In now, it's not as bad. But say your mate is a very famous male porn star. Is that just as bad for you? Because... No matter what you see, you don't want to see him popping up. Like, oh, no God, matter how so good looking she is, there's no way you can get past that that is your mate. <laughs> no, you couldn't. So I do, I do wonder, because even if you're searching there, I imagine there's only so many times you can click and see your mate before, you know what, I'll call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> Say to him, what, you send me what you're not in, yeah. and I'll sort through that. Give you a list of names you haven't worked with. This is why Harper's not here tonight. <laughs> Got a new job. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, I was, <laughs> I was going to intro in a different way, but it was being crude enough. Um, from from that yeah, to we won that. Yeah, <laughs> from from that to uh, Pep Guardiola and Man <laughs> City. Um, I was going to go down the path of so-and-so getting fucked and onto Man City, and it, it just sounded a bit too crude, so I'll give it the precursor there. Um, nice. So City went out to Real Madrid last week to continue their spell without a Champions League trophy, which I'm sure heartbreaking for them. They don't have many other trophies to uh, <laughs> get to keep themselves going with. But the initial reaction... I saw a lot of blame going on Pep Guardiola's shoulders. Um, I saw him called a bottler and all of these kinds of things, which feels mental anyway. But the narrative, and that's where these things go. So I thought the question that we'd answer here is how much is Pep Guardiola to blame for City's latest European exit? Because even by the standards of Champions League semi-finals, and I know you've tweeted similarly uh, recently, TK, this one was fairly extraordinary mm. just in the manner of whether you call it a collapse, whether you call it just Real Madrid doing Real Madrid things. But for 85 minutes at the Bernabeu, City were pretty much faultless. We, yeah. as soon as Mares scored the goal, we all said, okay, all English final. That's City done then. That's the game over. And Liverpool fans I saw were already cursing. So oh, I'm so sick of Man City. I can't believe we're going to have to play these in a final. <laughs> like Real Madrid were a nice uh, task for you yeah. to be uh, faced yeah. with. That will be a walk in the park, obviously. And all of a sudden, we get two late goals from substitute Rodrigo 
were then 5-5 on aggregate, which made my prediction of City were just going to blow them away over two legs to uh, be made a mockery of. And to be fair, they probably could have done that. Mm. Um, but yeah, at that point, it was no real surprise that Madrid go on to get the win. They hold out and City uh, uh, dumped out of the competition. Did any of you see the clips of the Madrid fans trying to get back into the stadium after calling the security yeah. guards a disgrace? <laughs> uh, no. You're the disgrace for leaving here. Yeah. <laughs> I said how bad I felt for leaving on 85 minutes against Brighton at home on a Saturday at three o'clock. <laughs> and I was gutted I missed one goal. I would not be leaving, especially with Real Madrid. That's it, isn't it? It's, there's one club you don't leave early. Christ. It's three minutes left on the Champions, Champions League semi-final. Yeah, exactly. You, Real Madrid are never quite dead in the Champions League. Now, I thought one of the interesting angles to take here, if we kind of go through the different ways that you could blame Pep, you could go the other way, is if you compare the two managers, it's not even really that I think Pep did much wrong. It's that Ancelotti got almost everything right that he could have got right. And there's obviously a lot of luck that goes into it, but he he gambled three quarters of the game. He packs out the midfield. It's a fairly slow paced game for what they could make it against Man City. Mm. And then 68 minutes, he makes his first change. He brings on Rodrigo for Cruz. 75 minutes, he brings off Modric and Casemiro for Camavinga and uh, Asensio. And pretty much, we would almost mock those Bielsa formations where it's like one midfielder and then everyone else is in attack. Mm. They effectively put like Camavinga in there in the middle, Valverde kind of operating the flanks and just packed legs in front of them and almost said, okay, if we're going to go out now, we'll go out swinging. And City just looked like, the, I, I don't know if the pressure got to them or, or how you would see it. It's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because even even then, they weren't creating anything. You know, Camavinga comes on and does do great. And as he was he good in the in, first leg as well. Yeah, I'm going to say, in, in each of the rounds, he's, they've always brought him on and he's always been a positive influence. But this one, more than ever. But even then, again, they weren't creating anything. It was just the case of once they got the goal, then it all sort of fell apart for City. Because once they got that first... Before that, we have Zinchenko has to come on for Carl Walker, who kept going down. I don't know if the ref <laughs> had a word like, yeah, we can't keep doing this. You go down, yeah. you go off. We spend five minutes and then you come back on. Um, so then Zinchenko goes to left back. Cancelo goes across to right back. And Zinchenko, now not that I think he was bad when he came on, but they quite clearly looked at him and said, you're the worst defender in this team. And they just battered him. They got Carvajal, who seemed to get faster at that <laughs> point. They got Rodrigo down that side. And even then, the next piece of action we see is Mendy's goal line clearance to stop City going 6-3 ahead of aggregate with just three minutes remaining. And at that point as well, doesn't feel like that huge a miss because you're going, well, this is a format anyway. Yeah. One, though, that they would have to concede two. This isn't going to happen. So it doesn't feel like a huge, huge miss. Obviously, and it ends up being haunting. Like the other changes that Pep's made, um, within there, he's brought on Fernandinho, who's come in as like a third centre-back. By the end of the game, they've got a flat-back five. Benzema mm. is actually fantastic in that he 
almost doesn't make himself the focal point. He drops so deep and he drops so wide that it just draws everyone around because quite clearly you're looking for him as the danger man. And it's him dropping wide, pulls them out, and he puts it across the box for Rodrigo, who gets the space for the opener. And then at that point, City shit themselves, basically. Mm. As you would. Like I don't even think this is a mentality thing. I think there isn't a team on the planet in that circumstance that does not panic where one, you have the embarrassment of, oh God, we can't let them do this this late. And two, Real Madrid in the Champions League is about as horrible a team as you can be up against in that scenario. Well, it starts feeling inevitable, doesn't it? If it feels inevitable to us, it'll feel inevitable to them as well. It's Madrid, the Bernabeu, once it gets on top like that, in the same manner as once Liverpool got a couple of goals against Barcelona and that comeback, you thought, right, this is going to happen yeah. then. This, um, is those sort of emotions being evoked. But the only thing I will say is, obviously, they get that goal. And City, people have kind of accused them of naivety or whatever. I think they have managed the game well until this point. They're keeping possession. Yeah. Walker's going down. Obviously, he is actually injured, but he's making the most of it each time in terms of how much time he can chew up the clock. They're kind of doing all these things right. And yet, when they have the kickoff after the goal, they just end up giving it straight back to Madrid. Yeah, Edi- it goes the right do? back to Edison and Edison and boots he it. boots it all the way. You've, that's the last thing City ever do. That is where I would defend them against some criticism of them mentally falling apart. But yeah. that is a sign of pressure telling because they would never do that. Because even in that, when you look back at the final goal, um, it's not one of them where they've been beaten on a transition. And that's one, for example, when we looked at very different uh, levels but the Spurs won against Leicester where they come back in the final couple of minutes Hmm. uh, Spurs are able to transition and go through the entire team in stoppage time when Leicester know there's only so much that can happen in this short period of time (laughs) City don't allow that to happen when the final cross comes into the box for Rodrigo City have nine defenders in the box plus Edison and I think it's Bernardo Silva is just on the outside of the area Mm. it's just a case of lucky that the ball bounces off uh, it may bounce off whoever's on the front post for Madrid and then onto Rodrigo's head and it's a a great header Um, Mm. but it's not like they didn't do anything right in that situation they didn't chuck everyone forward they didn't do anything reckless they just didn't get to the bouncing ball or the floated ball first like there's nothing pep can do there no no absolutely it's it's a fine lucky for them and madrid when they need the luck it will always happen even rodrigo coming on and getting two goals i mean there is a there's a player that makes probably vinicius look consistent he's <laughs> and but he'll do that in the big moments in the big games someone always rises to the occasion for them. It's just one of those things. Because the the City subs, Fernandinho, you can't argue with that. The sub for uh, Zinchenko for Walker, like there's not really a choice there. And Zinchenko's been a guy that he's trusted previously and he's been given reason to. Um, Gundogan comes off the bench and he actually gets the assist for the Mares goals. So it's not one way you're looking at one manager and saying, okay, he did everything right. And then polar opposite, you're looking at Pep and saying he did everything wrong. Um no, people criticise his subs. And I was like, I don't really know that I can see that too much. Even, I know he ends up missing the chance. Grealish even had an impact. He came on and beat his man a couple of times. Yeah. So, uh, there's a big thing of, oh, he shouldn't have taken De Bruyne off. Well, 
they see that game as they should do. It's nothing to do with whether De Bruyne's on the pitch or not. No, Pep did a press conference the day after, um, and he still is fairly fairly fired up. And he was asked about a mental collapse for his players. And he said there was no time for mental. He said it was 45 seconds later. There's no time for us to fall down and waste time. All the data analysis, how do you control the emotion of players in that in that moment? Tell me in the data how the players feel in that moment. How do you feel? Do you think they want to lose? That they want to accept the cross, deflected from one player, goes to Rodrigo, scores again. It's football. It's happened now. And we have to accept it. Um and he was asked about whether there was a lack of characters in City's team. And I think they quoted Ibrahimovic to him, which is always ridiculous. Anyway, <laughs> What makes you a character saying, like, I'm a god, I'm a lion? And suddenly it was, oh, he's a big guy. <laughs> this is a character you want in your team. And those people lap it up, though, unfortunately. He said previously, Guardiola doesn't like big characters and instead he prefers quiet schoolboys. Mm. Go through that Barcelona team he won the Champions League with. And there's plenty of characters in there. Go through the team that he didn't win the Champions League with in that Bayern Munich team and look at the likes of Neuer, Muller. If we play them, we're talking about these guys as characters and leaders. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Fascinating, isn't it? That teams Ibrahimovic goes to become less successful, teams he leaves become more successful, but it's actually they need big characters in each team. Weird that. Pep said, you know how many times we talk about guys, you have to score goals and chances. He said, now people say, ah, it's a lack of character. Lack of character. What happens if Jack Grealish scores those two goals? Then what's the character? And Atletico Madrid, when Correa shot and Edison saves it, now it's character. If Correa scores, it's not character. When Courtois puts his feet here and deflects Grealish's shot for a corner and away from the goal, that's not character for the team. That's the opposition doing what they're supposed to do. And so he he was pretty fired up, and it's one of the better press conferences I've seen for him in a while. Yeah. Because I'm going to bring up Liverpool fans here and I don't mean to throw you in that mix. Sometimes I think you probably could be in there, but for the majority, maybe not. Um, on, on Twitter, I saw a lot of Liverpool fans and obviously your Champions League success compared to their league success is the main thing that you have going over them at the moment. But I saw it being used as a, okay, well, this is why Klopp is over Pep. This is why Pep and this Man City team, they're not what they think they are. And it's like it's almost like the luck of the draw. Like if Pep <laughs> draws Villarreal, then he's he's in the final. And I think we'd have bigger questions if they went out to them. But the difference between Pep's or like I don't know status, like it it, it is that simple. Like it could yeah. be that different. Or like hypothetically, say if they went out of the Champions League to I don't know Leon, for example. Oh, but this oh, is a different this this is a different team, and they got they got a rock correct amount of flack for that. But it's in the same way we weren't calling Liverpool a lack of character when they went out to Atletico Madrid. Yeah, yeah, true. It was just like this 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 can happen. I think Pep because he's been in teams that have money, and I think Roy Keane says similar. When you're a manager of his ability, why would you choose to go somewhere other than that than than when you can have what you want? Yeah. Um, it's almost like we're just constantly trying to find ways of faulting him when it's a bit cringe to say, and I see Arsenal fans do it with Arteta, and they did it yesterday for the Leeds game, actually. Um, it's almost like he didn't coach a 5-5 And when you look at the aggregate across these two legs. Like City, the way they played, the, the way they were coached, the style they implemented on City could have been vastly different. And Real Madrid, 
we're going with a phrase of the week, they've just got that dog in them. Like, you just cannot get rid of them. We've seen it with Chelsea now. We've seen it with PSG. They just hang around. And I don't know what more he could have done from the sidelines to change that. Well, there's a bit to unpack that. The Liverpool fan thing is fairly simply just uh, a club bias. My club's better than yours. So it can pretty quickly draw a line in the most of it. Um, in terms of the thing about... I absolutely agree with what you're saying. It's just that it's happened on multiple occasions for him now. So there's how many bits of bad luck can you get? If you know what I mean. If you go, well, the Leon one was a bad day at the office. The, well, no, the, the Leon one, I think, it is is a is a black mark. That's a black mark. And then you follow that up with obviously what he did in the final against Chelsea. That does end up going against Pep fairly or unfairly. It ends up being chalked up to him. And then obviously this, it's unfair because I think this one is just you you're running to Real Madrid which they did exactly the same thing to PSG and Chelsea. Where in both of those ties, they were probably the second best team for most of it, but they just had enough ability to sort of get through it. So he's unlucky in that regard. But it's a little bit like, I would say, Barcelona were bang unlucky that they ran into Liverpool that year. But the year before, they also collapsed against Roma. So mm. is that two bits of really bad luck? It's... I, I don't really hold it against Pep, but when people do mount the argument, it does become a bit of... Yeah, you do have a lot kind of against me. I, I, I realise I don't have much I can come back with. I'd say... Um, also, I will say, this yeah. is an interesting about turn. We're a, I can't remember when we did this. On a podcast, City dropped points, and it may have been it was the Spurs, so you were a bit annoyed. But I got a, <laughs> feel, I got a feeling it was the Palace one. Though. And you were saying, essentially, that well, if you get at this City lot, I don't think they want it. And you were basically questioning their character. What? So and I remember I had to mount a bit of a defence for them and say... What? I think they actually they got a bit more about them than you're making out here. My main, so we've had my a weird main, my main thing is, is the Pep one. I do think with City, it's I kind of agree with what he says in, okay, what makes a character and what doesn't make a character because I think people look at say a Diego Godin and say, well, that's a character, and then you look at Grealish, you can get booted for ninety minutes and still dig his toes in and do whatever it is that he goes on to do and we say well that can't be a character like it can only be one real way and i don't think you can have it's an old school 11 of those unless you are at let's go madrid (laughs) yeah yeah and again they're the same characters that mendy clearance goes in then we're not having the conversation that's kind of the thing in the and you can correct me because i'm sure you've seen highlights or seen the game far more than i than i have the the liverpool barcelona one it felt very much to me like once. I don't know what, what minute did Liverpool get their first one in. Was it like you scored it before half time, didn't you? Not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I do remember Barcelona, Barcelona having almost like no chances. After they had that. chances like really early in the second. Pretty leg. one way. Where they actually start. They started all right, but then once the once the tide starts, it, it really did overtake them. Yeah, like this in. I guess if you're going to counteract it, you would say, well, there's only five minutes where City really had to show a bottle. Because I was mm. going to point yeah. out that it wasn't like the occasion got to them. Like, they played. And on another day, this is where Pep probably doesn't have a leg to stand on, where the striker thing gets pointed at him. But it could easily have been like four, five, six nil. Like, even with the chances they just had in this game. It's... For sure. I think it's more about Madrid than it is about City. But then when you have a team assembled like this, I do understand that you leave yourselves open 
to that. I just my thing was with Pep, and it was like I don't know what more he could have done. I think it, everything I think is perfect in terms of he brings on the extra defender, he slows the game down, his his hand is forced in some way, he takes off the fancier players, and he gets legs on. It's like I don't know if we were going to say at least us write down what we think you should do. He probably does everything. Yeah, his. I guess I, as I've kind of touched on, his basically because of his historic failures in any team that doesn't have Messi, that will always be the stick that she's to beat him with. Even if you're going to say, well, it's pretty unfair when you look at everything else he's done. That's kind of what they do, isn't it? For example, you not look at though every Champions League they haven't won while having Messi directly after that and say, and kind of level it out. What do you mean? Like, do we not say, okay, if he if we're only giving him this one because he did it with Messi, do we not then say, okay, well, they all the Champions Leagues they've not won after that with Pep Guardiola and the two probably back each other up? No, but that doesn't that doesn't help him though, does it? It doesn't help him individually if he's never won no, the man. No, just I, just, saying, I think there's out. more to it than him just having Messi in that Champions League team. I, I do as well, but that's that's what people say, isn't it? Is that only, yeah, yeah. and I don't think it's just the Messi thing either. I think that's probably the best team I've ever seen. So without the best team I've ever seen, and he did, you know, formulate this, but without it, he's not been able to get the job done. And unfortunately, at the highest level, you get nitpicked and not winning that is, and ultimately, as people have pointed out, is what he was brought in at City to do. Yeah, yeah. Because they've won league titles without him. Now they've consistently won it with him now, which is probably the primary aim. But the same thing was makes an elite European club, and each time he's failed. This one, I think, is bang unlucky. But in placed in the context of other ones, which either they should have beat the team because they were better than them, or because of again potentially that final last year, which wasn't his finest hour. It all adds up, and this one's probably an unfair chapter of the story, but it's a chapter nonetheless. Yeah, I still. In the grand scheme of things, I don't really know where I stand. In terms of this particular game, I was pretty set there where I was watching. I was like, I don't really know how much... Like, There wasn't even really a particular City player I looked at and was like, okay, you're to blame no. for this. No, they, they um, were really good. So that, that that was the thing, because in the, the, in the grand scheme of things, the Leon one, I do say, I don't think he got the team up for it, and that obviously is, is down to him in the end. The Champions League final, yeah, I've said that there, that was as he mocked recently, was trying to outthink yourself. Um, so I think it's ultimately, and we all do it, so I'm probably doing it to myself here, there just seems to be just nothing but absolutes in <laughs> sports media. And so I almost, I saw a couple of tweets and headlines and I've just had, I've been on a defensive with it since then just because, yeah, as I said, I don't know what you could have done differently. If I was to ask the two of you, and I'll go to you first, TK, because you've said about it. If I asked you on a scale of 1 to 10 to portion how much of this you do put on Pep Guardiola, where would you put that on the scale? 10 being it is entirely his fault, 0 being, look, this is nothing to do with him. Uh, Just this individual result? Yeah, this this particular result, yeah. I'd say... Four or five. I only say because I think circumstances were basically dictated this game. But I do think the, the thing with City, why aren't City able to replicate what they do in the Premier League, in the Champions League? I think City are 
the best scripted team we might have ever seen. But when they have to ad lib, it all gets a little bit, this doesn't quite yeah. work out. They need total control. And in most Premier League games, they're going to be able to exercise total control, as seen in this Newcastle game just recently. But in the Champions League, there's across a two-legged foot, there's 10 to 20 minutes of just chaos. Everything goes out the window, and often the tie can be won and lost there. And City just don't seem to be able to deal with that chaos. In this case, it was about three minutes. But they just don't seem quite able to deal with that chaos where someone like Madrid just totally thrive in it. In, I think of, you could even... As long as they've got the script in front of them, they can do it. And it's the best script you'll ever read. But when they don't, it's a bit like, oh shit, well, now what do I do? I think um, even where you've used the word control there, you could replace that with comfort and say that they almost play from a position of comfort in that everything where you see of them at their best, it is just almost like it is just easy for them. Yeah. They're not having to break a sweat or anything. And I don't know because it's weird. Because in again, which case, that is partly on Pep because the, the very yeah. style that he creates is basically reliant on this. Is it not bizarre though? Because if any of us again, and maybe it's not the best example because we're not elite managers, but if any of us, <laughs> and you see it with teams and the way they face up to play City, we would all say almost the worst thing you could do is go out there and have a shootout with them because 99 times out of 100, you're going to be on the bad end of that. So it is strange that effectively Real Madrid did put them into a shootout situation, maybe more controlled than a Norwich would be able to. But even an Arsenal or Spurs wouldn't go out and try and have a shootout with City. No. And just seemingly over the two legs, they just picked their moments to turn it into that. And it is almost like they had 10 shots on goal or 11 shots on goal and, and scored 11 of them. It, I can't get my head around it. I feel like you could study these games and you'd still struggle to point out how Real Madrid have got over the edge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you did study the game, you'd probably do more Ancelotti does as well. I feel like he just turns up and just wings it on the day. Pep's the Those... kind of guy doing all the work for like before the exam, studying, working hard, but just melts down during the exam. Ancelotti just turns up and wings it, and somehow he's getting the, the higher mark. It doesn't make any sense. Those tweets of him just full, just lifting his eyebrow mode were killing me from the first time I saw it. I'm terrified of that eyebrow in the final, let me tell that, you. you keep that down. That stat with him where they're pointing out their league titles, he's won in the different countries. How many is it now? Is it five. Four, is it five, yeah. Five different countries, yeah. And it being that he's actually only won the one league title in each, each of those leagues. That's, <laughs> yeah. I feel that actually makes it better when you look, like, when you look back. It's yeah. so good. Um. Alex, you've been listening intently. Um, how much do you put on Guardiola's doorstep? Um, I put about four. Um, I'd struggle to... I think the easy camp to sit into is say it's a 50-50, but I am going to... I'll give Pep the benefit of the doubt in terms of, I think, in the moment when it happened, there isn't a lot he could have done about it. It's a bit like a heavyweight bout in the respect of you've got one fighter dominating the, the fight most of the night, and then it is that that one hit that then rocks City. Mm-hmm. And from there, you've got, a, you've got a team of players who already thought they were over the line, now having to respond, completely change their intensity and their, men, their, their mental approach to try and keep themselves in the game. Whereas you've got Real Madrid, who are absolutely gassed up, like... Dry, throwing everything they've got forward like they've got nothing to lose and all City have got thinking about of what they've got to lose 
and they carry that on into the extra minutes. I think as good as a manager as Pep Guardiola is, there's only so much you can say to a bunch of players, some experienced, some not so experienced in that situation that is going to instill that bit of composure into them going into that extra time. I think the biggest, and, and again, I think the biggest, the biggest got players in that city team that probably let the side down a little bit were the experienced players that maybe could have done better in the added time. Um, they're the ones that you want to see have a bit of composure and put not put an arm round but guide the the you younger players have a chance who... to do that though. No, I, I do think well, I do think the in that the in that the match, kickoff is I think that's your chance to get a foot on the ball and not yeah. Pump I'll it, ask yeah. you both then. And one of the changes that we've highlighted, if Carl Walker stays on the pitch, do Real Madrid still get the W? Is it a sim? Could you put it down to that? Because well, both goals a, come down the side of Zinchenko. Uh, so as an advocate, would have been there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As uh, as an advocate for how important the main right and left wing backs are, um, I am going to go with yeah. <laughs> that would have had Zinchenko as their most important player. <laughs> yeah. I I don't I don't know. I think you might be right, or there might have just been. Not to get too sort of airy fairy with the answer, but just an inevitability about Madrid yeah. doing it, just pouring on. Just one of those things. Bad night at the office to see. We, so we've seen two sides of Pep previously. Somewhere he's able to kind of brush things off, and somewhere he has almost mockingly criticised himself. Like I know what you're saying about me, but I don't agree with it. How much do you think this bothered him? Because it would be very easy in his shoes to say, as he has in the press conference, that's just football. This is just, there's nothing I could have done it. I, I wonder how much that bothered him or if it's going to be something that, okay, in the summer, this might get to him more. He can't afford to think about it too much now. I think some of what's been said about him in the Champions League has already got into his mind, only in that he doesn't, tinker with the team so much now you know when he would try and do like a weird tactical ploy and we were yeah. like what's he doing here and that's where all the overthinking things stemmed from wasn't it whereas that team he put against City I against Madrid sorry I thought it was his best team I thought that's the best 11 right now and so I think he's already going right you don't I'm not going to give you the chance to say that I got this wrong here it is and if it doesn't work in a way I can turn the gun on you and say well you wanted me to just play the best 11 that's what I did which doesn't really work, does it? But I think psychologically, I think that's something there. I guess we'll only know in next year's Champions League if, it's, if yeah. he's been rattled. But I think his comments today, was it today or was it last night, about, um, oh, well, I should say it was after the game, wasn't it? Um, about, I didn't think he was rattled at all. And then he said about everyone in his country wants Liverpool to win. Yeah. Or whatever. I was like, okay, you are a bit pissed off about something then. That's a weird thing to come out with when you just. I'm going to ask you about that in a moment because. Mm, yeah, sure. I did think the timing of, of it was interesting. As yeah, after, after we, I thought it was odd, which I thought he would have come out with something like that potentially after the yeah. game. And he, I thought he dealt with things pretty well, actually, after the Madrid game. That's obviously been festering in his mind. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm aware I probably have repeated myself. The only, the only reason I said it was because I do think as someone who appreciates that way of playing football and that being him, I mean, I do wonder if he sits down and watches that and it's like, I, I genuinely don't know what I'd change. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know about it. We'll see. We'll see because 
Haaland has had his Man City medical today. I don't know if people have seen that update. Um, I did see it just before I came on the pod. Yeah, he's had his medical gone back. And I think we'll save that conversation either for when he signs or in the summer um, because obviously we don't have an international tournament to get into this time around. Um, It's going to be very interesting. Almost as if he's signing a striker just to say, well, look, I almost feel like (laughs) he'd be resentful if he wins the Champions League with a striker. (laughs) He wants Haaland to fail. He's going to watch him and be like, well, I told you, lads, he's gone 10 games without a goal. What did I tell you? It's, it's going to be very interesting. Um, His we don't need a striker thing does ignore the fact they chased Kane for a summer as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> His whole thing is like, well, you keep telling me I need a striker. It's like, well, you did try and get one. The get-out clause of that, isn't it? That well, you just, well, he's more than a striker. Okay, that, that's all right then. That's, I was actually was going to play him holding mid, so joke's on you. Just last Playmaker. thing on, last thing exactly. on this then. Um TK, if you were to single it down to one to one reason why City managed to lose this game, if it isn't Pep, why, where would you place the uh, reasoning, the blame, whatever you want to call it? Do I have to make someone guilty at City? No, no it doesn't even have to be a person. It can be whatever you want it to be. Because I, w- I would just say Madrid long ago made a deal with the devil and seemingly... That deal is just never-ending. It's on a year-by-year contract. That Every now and again, they'll fall short, like last year. But more often than not, they seem to just be able to get through. It's just one of those things. It's it's strange because I I do look at it, and as I said, I felt the same with City playing them. Um, There is every chance that Liverpool could just blow them away in 45 minutes because they're going to have the chances to do so. Um, But if you don't, if you get to the sort of you know, 65 minutes and it's close. I think everybody's thinking the same thing. A question of what I think will actually shape the narrative now come the final is uh, City played at Letty and it was last night, I believe. Um, they lost 1-0 and if you look at the lineup, um, yeah. like yeah. Luka Jovic led the line. <laughs> um, so I think it could be, we'll be saying... Well, they had too much time off, so they weren't able to just turn it back on. Or they're going to say Liverpool looked tired after a long season and City looked like they were able to kind of refresh themselves before it. So I think we're going to have either one of those is going to be the reasoning when it comes down to it. Um, Alex, just to close out this one then, where would you apportion the blame if you had to put it somewhere? I'm going to put just the the city defence really, um, just the city back four as a whole. Shouldn't have uh, they shouldn't have allowed, should have handled the pressure a lot better really. Um, just the key figures in that back line really. I mean, now that you mention about the Carl Walker substitution <laughs> and how critical I'm not those sure were, telling me I had to stay on. <laughs> Because <laughs> he did try. Why did he, he not? Put it, why why did he why did he not go full Kepper and just refuse to come off? He was the one asking him to come off by the end. He was taken. <laughs> like, Can you just get me off? Please take me off. Take me off. No, I'll, I'll go the with the at him. I'll go with the I'll go with the city back four as a whole. Okay. That were left on the pitch. Well, let's move on then. Um, um I do. Bear in mind what you said, TK. Maybe I'm just conscious about not being called a particular defender of anyone after uh, I did have that apportioned at me for Liverpool for a while. So 
it's at least nice that I've managed to shed that uh, tag as uh, well the, being a closet the, Liverpool fan. The funny thing is, if so, for example, if there's a pretty common sense position that is, you know what, Liverpool might have been in the right here. If you take that, you are a Liverpool defender, and that is it. That is your entire thoughts, Luke. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I'm afraid the thing, you, because... you can't apply logical reasoning. You either hate us and therefore we're always wrong, or you love us and we're always right. There's nothing in between, apparently. Well, you do have to understand that the nation as a whole, they do want <laughs> Liverpool to win the league. <laughs> now, he needs to get himself online, honestly. Yeah. Um, what I would say is I do agree where he said, if you look at the majority of the media, they're all Liverpool. And I had a Liverpool fan disagree with this today. And it's, I think we actually did it previously, didn't we? Where we were saying, who would you want to represent your club? And my list of everyone that was representing Liverpool was about three pages long. Surprise names are there as well. Yes. (laughs) Stephen Warnock was on Sky Sports News today, passionately explaining how he is not biased towards Liverpool. Um, Seems kind of stupid. Yeah. Do you see his point with that side of things? I guess he turns on his TV, you've got Maka commentating on BT, you've got Carragher on Sky Sports. He probably, everywhere he looks, he is surrounded by some kind of Liverpool face. Well, I mean, to be fair, yeah, to be fair to Pep, most times we turn on Sky Sports, I think we're all thinking, why aren't Sean Gota or Richard Dunn on here? I really wish they were given punchy. Some... Man City legends. Uh, it's kind of stupid. It's just that Liverpool were a successful team historically, so therefore they ended up with more people on TV. It is kind of disproportionate, but at the same time, I don't think they are really swaying public opinion in that you can't. You know Graham Souness is an ex-Liverpool player, right? So you know certain things of his are, are fairly loaded. Yeah. And then you've got the other side of it. I'd say someone like Carragher, on the most part, is pretty balanced. I was a tries to be anyway. I think sometimes he will display it in the same way as Neville will with Man United. But I, I think every as long as everybody knows the score, I don't think that's that big an issue. I don't think anyone's getting swayed by that. Now, Stephen Warlock obviously trying to claim he has zero bias is probably a little bit stupid. But I think for the most part, everybody knows the score. I don't think anyone's going, you know what? Danny Murphy has swayed me, actually. I love Liverpool. I'm not sure. We're probably taking it more seriously than the majority do but i do i do sense that there was some kind of turning point makes it feel far bigger than it was but remember when uh carragher on commentary did the most Salah, your little dancer and <laughs> there was a genuine portion of people that were outraged by this and would say this is why he shouldn't be commentating liverpool games he should not be doing any liverpool games because it's biased we shouldn't have to listen to it and it is probably if arsenal had just lost and then i flick on and I've got weird Jamie Redknapp and Michael Dawson and Ledley King talking about Spurs. It's probably going to wind me up. <laughs> and Pep, I don't know how angry he would have been with his players after that game. I can't imagine he was bollocking them in the changing room. So maybe it is just the anger's festering with him the last couple of weeks. He looks at the league table, he sees City on top. And then on Sky Sports, he's hearing Carragher talk about Allison's the best keeper in the league. Trent's the best right back in the league. Van Dijk's the best centre back in the league, and he probably thinks, "Hang on a minute, we deserve a bit more props here." But as we've said previously, City just aren't that interesting to talk no. about. I think we've given yeah. them more props. The more, the most props is them losing. Yeah. So there's a few things he's trying to do. He 
somehow has to try and create some sort of siege mentality where City are the underdog. You see it all the time with these like, press conferences, don't you, where you're like, oh, well, if we're barely able to put a squad together, you're like, Pep, please stop it. We you all know what... Thing post-game yesterday is. after Laporte injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For those that didn't see it, he commented saying, uh, look, we may have to play Phil Foden at centre-back next week. And I don't know who the interviewer was. And they said, really? Yeah, no. I, I did enjoy that one. He just like laughs himself. I'm like, come on. <laughs> that was great. But his, uh, yeah, his whole thing of like having to try and make them some sort of weird underdog is, is really odd, but managers do it. It's kind of weird, but he's a really extreme case of it. He said uh, they achieved their goals when they got top four. Yeah. Again, ridiculous. And he knows it as well. So it's partly trying to sort of create that siege mentality. It's partly... Um, just that he has pretty much almost no ability to be able to deal with being the villains. And they should be the villains, but he kind of has to have them as the good guy. In contrast to, say, when Chelsea were new money, Jose just fully leaned into, yeah, yeah. we're the fucking bad guys. <laughs> and he fully went with it. Right? Pep has to be the dominant force like they were, but also has to have everyone love him as well, which just isn't going to happen. It never happens for anyone. Do you reckon um, if Pep... Sorry. Let's carry on. I was going to say, if Pep had to listen to Jack talk about Chelsea's problems, he'd be like, you know what? I absolutely agree with you. I completely understand. <laughs> we don't have much depth either in Jack. But the thing is, we've got these old guys playing at wing-back. And he's, <laughs> oh, to be fair, I mean, we'd, ours aren't old, but we've got Nathan Ake playing left-back sometimes, and they'd just be the best mates in the world. He puts an arm around uh, Jack's shoulder and be like, Look, I, only, I was only able to spend 60-odd million on that case. Just, come on, we just... <laughs> and, yeah. the other, and the other thing with him is is he... Yeah, you said about the thing that they're fundamentally not that interesting. And it's not... It's not there's not that much interest in... Right, we have the best team. We dominate each game to the point where it is just attack versus defence. We spend a, spend money. We're already the dominant team, and now we're going to sign Haaland, which is the Durant joining the Warriors of all transfers. And he just seems unable to see that people are either aren't interested in that, or be a bit turned off by it. Is there is there a way if he's looking at any kind of support, and it's not a way I see it? Is there any part of him that the way that City are perceived thinks that? it turns more people towards Liverpool because you've got to think any kind of neutral support for Liverpool is almost exclusively there because you're seen as some kind of underdogs to City. Like, yeah. I can't imagine any other reason you'd have neutral support. And so maybe that's what he's seeing, but I don't know. Maybe he's just not very good at the deflection point. Anytime a manager is just a twatter after a game, people say, you know what? This is actually great management. The way they're deflecting from the team. And half the time, it's the managers just being a clown. Like they aren't yeah. going into that thinking, yeah. I'm getting to get this attention off my team by saying something completely ridiculous today. No, like sometimes they are. Sometimes, more often than not, they're being bad losers, right? So that tends yeah. to be tends to be if Klopp's comes up with something stupid. It's yeah, I saw people doing. Oh, uh, uh, the way Klopp's speaking about Spurs after this game. It's like, oh yeah, I imagine he's just going to come out and say, you know, it's brilliant the way that they tucked in all their players behind the ball. I mean, we he carried on his undefeated streak of people being outraged by pretty much nothing when he said in the statement I don't really like the way they play because they have world class players but that's my problem not theirs oh god he's the worst person ever and then he came out and apologised for it today and people were still pissed and like Jesus I, yeah, I wish he wouldn't do that 
will you just relax a little bit? The guy said something pretty mundane anyway. He's clearly shown himself to be a bad loser. We didn't lose, but to all intents and purposes. Yeah. Show himself anyway. So one, one day he'll stop being shocked by that. Two, he didn't say anything that raise anyway. And then he's also apologised for it. So everyone just want to relax a little bit about the guy. He's probably thinking, what can I say? Last thing on Pep and City. Do you think any part of Klopp extending is going to push Pep to do the same? But I think it potentially potentially might even if yeah. there is respect between them i do you think it would give pep satisfaction if it was that he left and then klopp suddenly started picking up league titles and in his head he's like see this guy could not compete with me <laughs> or yeah that's a good the way, way around if is pep gonna say i can't believe people compare me to this guy i'm sticking around and i'm gonna keep beating and him. i'm gonna keep beating him i'm beating yeah. him beating him till people give me the respect that I feel I deserve. Yeah, that was how I read it. Your point is a good one. That would be an interesting way of doing it, but I think it's naturally competitive. He'll want to keep taking them on and beating them. And if you can't win a Champions League, by the way, keep beating them in the league. Pretty good way of proving yourself, right? And that is the other part of his thing coming out, is ultimately he constantly has this sort of need for more credit than they're getting. Yeah. To be honest, I actually think they get due credit. I think people admire the way they play. They admire how he coaches players to get better. And we acknowledge that they're one of the most dominant teams we've seen and one of the best teams this country's seen, right? But it's kind of like he also wants any of the praise going to Liverpool to go to him as well. You know, your, your thing about um, do you think some of the credit Liverpool and Klopp get maybe takes some of the shine away? Well, one, it shouldn't. They should both get credit, right? But also, yeah. if we were to... And this is going to sound terrible coming from me, so I'll apologise now. <laughs> but if we were to take it, take names away, but just put these two clubs like side by side. If you had to choose which one is kind of a more admirable story, you'd go with the Liverpool one in terms of it's they've got slightly they've got slightly less resources. They've kind of bought players that are good, made them better. Something's kind of like a slow build rather than sort of when Klopp came in, not a great team, and they built towards this. That inherits a good team and makes them great. It's kind of if you, but obviously I'm, I recognise people know a lot more Liverpool fans, and they're I a lot more think... easy to despise. But if you if you were to take just two blank clubs, I think the Liverpool story is easier to get on board for people. So if I there was think... any neutral sport, that would be it. But you can't ignore that people know a lot of Liverpool fans and don't really like them. So it's pretty hard to like uh, for neutrals yeah. to get behind it. Yeah, Liverpool play football how I think, and it sounds pretty. Yes, I think Liverpool play football how you should. Play football. If and I, that is, they're a fun, they're a more fun watch, aren't they? That's yeah. The if I'm tuning I in, say. I was watching them. Um, they went pretty much downhill after that for the first like ten minutes against Spurs, and ironically, the point where I was about to write it in the group chat was I was about to say, "This is brilliant. You've just charged all the way at the end. You've lost the ball, and Robertson isn't retreating all the way down the pitch. He's intent to win it back up right at this other end." And then one pass was played down the side, and I thought, Robertson, get yourself back in line now. <laughs> this is horrible. If I was doing marketing for Man City, I actually think the best way for you to garner support and appreciation for them is take them off TV. If you were only watching Man City highlights, they would be the best thing in the world to just tune in and just see the way they just pick teams apart it would be and watch Pep's that Barter, in a two-minute clip every week. It would be Pep's Barter, wouldn't it, really? Yeah. But we weren't seeing them so much. So when we did, it was a bit of a treat. If you watched it each week, it was probably 
bit of a dry watch at times, right? Because when I was getting on the coach um, for the second half of City Newcastle, and even if I didn't know the score, there wasn't really any part of me that was like, I need to get this game on now. No. And I remember Liverpool playing. It wasn't Spurs. It would have been a team in the level below Spurs. So it was going to be like a Villa or someone like that. And I remember thinking, I would get this on and see see what's yeah. going on here. And I, I just don't have that with City because it just feels like so much of a foregone conclusion that it's like, why am I wasting my time watching this when and I can watch it. a YouTube and, video on like and the how thing to is, clean like, a two pence piece? Yeah, yeah, there isn't any interest in that. Whereas Liverpool, there is a lot more back and forth, a lot more jeopardy, which for creating a winning team is better for City. But if you create an entertaining team, Liverpool are a better watch. They've had some of the games of the season. If you I look, saw a City fan, season. Um, post a clip of their opener yesterday saying, see, this is the issue with Martin Tyler. He's so desperate for us to lose oh, the league. That guy's that, mad, though. I've seen his tweets. He's insane. The first reply was, if even Sterling can't be bothered to celebrate this one properly, maybe that tells you how much yeah. of a foregone conclusion this was. That That is the thing. But Pep would push back and he'd be absolutely furious at the idea that you think, well, his teams aren't entertaining because it's so obvious. That's unfortunate. If The thing I won't get is you can win everything other than under the sun other than one competition. Um, surely that is enough reward for the only downside is people are going to say, oh, it's a bit boring because you're just so dominant. Is that, you know, if, if that's the only like uh, criticism of you, I think we'd all probably pay the price for that, right? It's not bad. I, I don't know. I don't know. If I was Pep, I'd, I'd, take, I'd take it quite hard that, you know, Luke would rather watch videos of pigs than watch his side win football matches. <laughs> well, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't watch that over them playing. He watches one in Arsenal shirt every time, like a bit. <laughs> I, was, I, I gave a, a quiet boo when he came on yesterday, and then I was thinking <laughs> what was going to happen. Pepe took some of the heat off him Um, I do want to speak about Liverpool Spurs Um, I tweeted in the week that I was already angry in advance at the fact that Liverpool were going to drop points against Spurs (laughs) and I acknowledge and I I didn't tweet much during the game and I didn't actually write in a group chat during the game because I acknowledged that the last thing a Liverpool fan wants to be doing during the game is hearing about how hard it is for me your top four race. Uh, yeah. So I I did hold back there and then Harper was even where I thought my circumstances were more important than his. He was messaging me about how the game was, was hard work for Chelsea. And I thought, <laughs> okay, I, I, I feel like I'm seeing it from the Liverpool point of view here. Mm. Um, but after what seemed to be a decent start for Liverpool, like I don't think Klopp would have been too uncomfortable with the first 10 to 15 minutes, even with the chances Spurs had. Um, it very quickly changed to, I don't know how you would say it, Liverpool almost looked like they ran out of ideas for me and they looked like they almost felt a bit hard done by early on um, because there wasn't much belief in what effectively was uh, Trent just kicking it into the box. Like I wouldn't even call half of them. <laughs> trying, to, trying to whip them in. Like I watched Cedric attempt about 17 crosses on Saturday and if you were to blur out the person taking them the two the quality of the crosses weren't too different and I was calling Cedric's bad so this was mm. this is no praise for him it, it was just looked like there was just a lack of creativity I don't know what it was I've seen 
Do you think it's, it's a bit of a cop-out? Because every Liverpool fan I've seen try and justify it has said, well, you know, the boys are tired. Well, it might be, but I, I think like City are tired. Like it, it's the it's the same thing. Uh, I thought we looked increasingly tired. I think a few a few individuals have some of Fabinho's performances have been off, been a bit off, and he looks, I think, a bit leggy at times when you look at him struggling to get back into position when he wouldn't normally. I think that is part of it. But these games are going to be like that, aren't they? Towards the end of the season, teams are going to make it hard for you. They know you've got a lot of games in the legs and you're going to have to do something about it. And Liverpool just weren't able to. I thought Spurs played it almost to perfection. Yeah. As you said, Liverpool started well and then probably ran out of steam after about 20 minutes in terms of weren't playing the pass with the same sort of zip. And once it becomes a bit slower and pedestrian, the team that's sat in a little bit is always going to have an advantage because basically it's their game now. With, with Fabinho, um, not you exclusively, but you've been a bit critical of him in a couple of games recently. I think the City one as well, though the, the performance there was far worse than the it's, one yeah, in this game. A disaster, wasn't it? That game? Um, do you think he's being asked to do anything different? Like, Is there any explanation for it? Do you think he's being asked to be a bit more progressive? Is he getting forward more and he's not sure about getting back into position? Because he, he just looks a bit confused almost. <laughs> yeah, I... Again, I have no reason to say it other than just that he does look a bit tired and looks a bit so a bit more panicked than he normally does. Because I raises intelligence usually. Like he he seems so spatially aware previously that he almost knows his zone. I'm yeah. allowed out of this bit, and if not, give that to someone else. Whereas it just he just looks a bit ragged. He uh, and you know that's really I'm picking out. It wasn't the best in this one, and obviously he was a disaster in the city one. Other than that. He's been absolutely fine. So I'm just putting it down to slight time. If you look at it, he came on. Uh, no, he didn't come on. But I mean, he sort of turned the game for us against um, Villarreal, really. But uh, yeah. coming forward in the way he did, travelling with the ball, which he's obviously done increasingly this year, uh, he really changed the game for us. So, you know, he's yeah, thought- consistently one of our best players. So you can't go too hard on him. Trent, Mane and Canate would be the three players I'd have singled out across the game. Canate, I don't know how many more free headers you could have given that bloke. And seemingly, it was like you were back in school where you're just having mm-hmm. to get your head on it and just head it back to the person. It, I don't know what he was doing because the leap was right. Everything. Yeah, Verge should have done better with his two probably as well. So it's, uh, I, I've, I always feel hesitant to criticise him because I feel like everything else he does... Probably count always. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It does feel a bit harsh, doesn't it? Mane just looked similar to Trent, where he just looked almost like devoid of ideas. And the more frustrated he was getting, the worse it got. I thought, like, there was times where you were crossing and there was no one in the area to try and get it to. And pretty early on, I thought he was a bit just too friendly. Like, I've complained before about him just being a complete prick, usually when you're he playing. He wanted it to be a bit more of a bastard. Well, like, five minutes in, I saw him, like, laughing and joking with Emerson, I thought it was. And I thought, this is one of the biggest games of your season. What the hell yeah. are you doing? Push him back over. It's this is a guy biggest... you need to try and rattle. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, I don't... Friendly money isn't the one. Angry money is the one. I think for all people who have praised his transition into a, a central... Uh, striker for the Spurs game as a few other games have shown he's not naturally at it in terms he's not a natural at it in terms of sometimes he'll get the ball into feet and he doesn't seem to instinctively know when to hold when to flick a ball around the corner yeah. and he'll end up just kind of giving it away at times where a natural uh, 
striker or even a false nine won't do that. They'll know what to do. I think he's still sort of winging it a little bit. And most of the time, he's good enough that you'll get away with that, but not in this he, game. He's not a sulker either, which can be to your detriment because sometimes where, and I probably put Salah down as more of a sulker, and not that he would hide from the ball, but a player that is a sulker would traditionally almost like you wouldn't make the same runs because you're a bit fed up with what you've been doing. He's almost worse than that when he's having a bad game in that he's frustrated. And so he gets on the ball even more. And when you're not having a good day like that, the last thing you want is someone who's going to be trying too hard. And it just looked all just so easy for Spurs. The back three sat there. Romero got tons and tons of praise when he didn't have to do much more than head it away. He was just booting on his head. Like his performance there was no difference to Rob, no different to Rob holding against West Ham. And <laughs> I did, other than Alan Smith, who English central defender, that's that's his, uh, that's what he's uh, putting on TV in the middle of the night to get himself going. <laughs> Romero, like he looked shaky when he had the ball at his feet. He looked wound up, and yeah. I thought that was a bit much there for a guy who was just having it punted onto his head every couple of seconds. I think that's his sort of game. I do think... A that's what I mean. It's like, a back I don't know what you're praising. Sort of game. He's a weird one as well. Some of the, sometimes he'll play a pass you think he's good on the ball. And then every now and again, he played a couple obviously against us that you were like, what the hell is this guy doing? He's a, yeah, I think Gabriel does that to a slightly lesser extent. Mm. I thought him, Dyer and Davis... Some of the blocks they all got in as well. The, pretty, the one Dyer one, uh, not Dyer, the one uh, Davis one from Salah right yeah. at the end of the game, where Throwing it almost looks like a handball because he shouldn't have been able to get across to it like in the way that he did. And I thought he was actually very composed after getting a booking earlier on as well. Yeah, yeah, I thought he was. He was I think I'm matched to me. I thought they were, they were good. I thought Spurs were very good value for it. That is pretty much though. These are the games where you do get the best out of Spurs it's the issue for Conte is is almost maybe not that you can't play these every week but if you could play City every week Spurs would be all right but the fact they can't play I was gonna say fact, Chelsea but Chelsea put eight past them this season yeah they, Chelsea they just want to avoid constantly because Chelsea just they're, yeah they're the fact huge. that they, they can't play a team who are going to dominate possession every week is the worst thing that has happened to Spurs this season yeah, I think as a tactical ploy, I think that's it. And also the, as a mental thing, that they don't seem to be able to get up for the other games in the same way as oh. none of them are putting in the effort they were in this game, in some of the games. They've got Burnley next, haven't they? They've got, they've now, got us next. Sorry, after yeah, this weekend, I should have said. Yeah, after that. And you think... Yeah, Burnley and Norwich, their last two. You think, I can't guarantee that they'll play that well against Burnley. Now, they might well beat them, just the fact that they've got better quality. They just I need bet that early goal, don't they? I bet they won't apply themselves in the same way. And then Cotton is going to be banging his head against the wall thinking, all you've got to do is play, I don't know, put 80% of this effort in against one of these teams and we'll, we'll steamroll them. So yeah, it, we'll must speak, be, it must be frustrating. We'll speak about it in a little moment, but I do think Thursday is ultimately going to be Arteta and Conte both saying, no, you have the ball. We'll play you in should, transition. Should be fun for the neutral. Yeah, I think it will be somewhat because of the stakes, but I don't think it's going to be an aesthetically pleasing game. Um, I saw a Liverpool fan speaking and I did somewhat sympathise where they say, can we not just drop one fucking draw in peace? Like, 
it shouldn't be the league is over because we've drawn with Spurs. It is ridiculous. <laughs> like, why is this a thing? We've just dropped a point for the first time in months and the season's done. Like, what? What is this league? Well, that's it. We, we're going to end up... Liverpool will probably end up being the most glamorous bridesmaid ever. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. It will just constantly be every sort of... You're going to have the probably the record each time for points totals without winning the league. It's probably, I've got no reason to think this will change over the years. We'll probably be Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool. We're going to be, oh, they came second on 90 what? Each time. Because we're very, very good. And City are a little bit better. I mean, to carry on my uh, comparison, when I said if you were to compare these two teams as a blank thing, don't look at it. We're probably, and it's a slightly closer one than this by all means, but it's probably a, a Bayern Dortmund situation. Where you go, well, look, this Dortmund seems really good. Bayern are just that bit better. It's just even a really good Dortmund year will be preceded by a really good Bayern year. Same with us in City. They're just that a little bit better. I always enjoy the side that wins the league talking down on the sides that win the cup, saying about consistency and things like that, because it happens every year. And you can win That's the league one year and you can win the cup the other year. And you're going to reverse the argument that time and say, well, look, we can. <laughs> yeah. we can Choose who we got. We had to play bigger games there. It was all one-off. You'll go, oh, these are special nights. So when it's the cup, oh, these are special nights. And then if you win the league, it's, well, that's your bread and butter. Each year you want to win the league and everything else is a bonus. Yeah, I, I mean, I spent secondary schools saying, you know, the Invincibles over the Champions League. Look, the consistency there, you could you could fluke your way to a Champions League. That's why we haven't won it. We're just too, <laughs> too consistent. Um. Elsewhere this weekend, I mean, I don't know how much more to say on Chelsea bottling it with Wolves 2-0 up. Wolves who, I mean, TK, we did a bit on them last week. What was it, like three wins in 13 or something like that? They they mailed it in and yeah, Chelsea still let them in the back door. Yeah, that's one of that's like Klopp in the League Cup where it's like, look, I don't even want just take it, please. <laughs> like, well, if you're going to force me to win, you're going to force me to take some points, then I will. But I don't feel good about it. Um, yeah, they, they. I know they're all over the place, but I do think that we spoke about it last week. That they'll turn it on in a game where they need to. I don't doubt they'll turn it for the cup final, for example. Um, but the league, where they don't really have much to do, maybe they do now. But I just think. They've just kind of not quite mailed it in, but they've kind of given up. They don't really have much to do in the league. Uh, yeah, I'm quite gutted that the FA Cup isn't the final game of the season. It's always because, a bit unfortunate, that, isn't it? Because it, it really would determine like who I'm going to cheer on. Like If you can categorically tell me... There's that, no quad on the same. That City <laughs> aren't going to drop any points, then it's like, fair enough. Like I don't want to see Chelsea win anything. But if there's a chance where City are like, you know, we might. I can't guarantee it. Leave it with us. We'll do our best. Then I might say, well, look, the greater good here, I may have to, I may have to roll with Chelsea. Um, that would feel dirty, surely. It it would. I think I'm going to have to go into it with a like, look, whatever, maybe, maybe, case there are. Like the uh, the 08. Uh, Champions League final where United Chelsea like I just I can't win here. No, I, just... I actually was quite strongly Chelsea there, which feels really? dirty Blimey. looking back. Um, but 
Harper was the only Chelsea fan I knew enough, and I so. didn't really speak to him. So it was like, look, it doesn't feel good, but there's more United fans that I'm going to hear it from. I'm assuming your, uh, your vehement desire for Liverpool not to win a quad is based on the amount of Liverpool fans you know. Oh, even, even, or even just having that bit of history you don't want. You don't want, yeah, it, like you hear about nice. the, tre- you hear about the treble and like. You do. It's like, really well, what we were we were five years old. Like, who are you who are you bragging to? Like, um, it's it's like when I hear like a Villa fan say, "Well, how many Champions Leagues have you won?" It's like, what the fuck? What? How many Champions <laughs> Leagues have you won? Tell me about how it was in 1934. So it's yeah, hearing you win a quad would be disgusting. And I said earlier in the week. I actually think that so much has been said about the quad where you could win a treble and it's going to be spoken down on yeah. because it's not yeah. the quadruple. Sure. And I think that's partly your own fans doing, but partly just the amount of sports media we have. I was gonna say that, that hasn't going really, to it hasn't really come from the club that much. Now I will acknowledge some fans have kind of got more on the quad thing in the last few weeks, but on the whole, there has been a a kind of conspicuous don't mention the quad sort of thing around I the club and the fans. You remember, so I do right think that's uh, more of a media thing, but I get it. It becomes your club's thing, doesn't it, unfortunately? Right after we had the Carabao final, I came on there on the Monday and was like, I didn't even consider this a thing until Liverpool had won it. And then suddenly they were mentioning the quad that sure. day and it was like, what the hell is going on here? But you'd have had a, you know, if City had beaten us in the FA Cup semi, you'd have had a similar thing with them. Of, yeah, like, yeah. The treble's on and if they don't win the treble... It's a disaster of the year. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it was just, I just, it didn't make sense to hear it mentioned because it just hadn't crossed my mind. And the second you heard it, it was like, okay, that are we just kind of jokingly mentioning this? And then obviously as it became a possibility, I think everyone outside of Liverpool fans was like, we we don't want this happening. Well, listen, if we'd beaten City in the league that time, the talk would have gone through the fucking ceiling. But Bearing in mind, yeah. we've never actually been ahead. In, if we'd been ahead in the league at any point, then Christ, I'd have, yeah. I'd, I would have been the Michael Scott, everybody stay calm, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. <laughs> the worst thing... Been, it's, been, Go on, it's, been, it's been said about like how Liverpool could you know, just win the triple and that's going to be talked down. But, I mean, let's not forget, Liverpool could walk away from this season with just the Carabao Cup. And that, that will be they like could, a Alex. Um, disaster. That'll be pitched as a disaster. I don't. I don't but that is I the margin. Really know what I think. Yeah, that, that is the margins we're working with here. Yeah, thin line, fine error, fine margin error. Yeah, that is, that is one of them where you also empower Chelsea fans with that. So it's like we, it really is just dark days um, for, for everyone involved. <laughs> yeah. There is no good outcome for you. Really. The, the, the worst thing, and we'll move on because I don't re- really want to do it. Is just a let's slag off Liverpool fans because as said previously, hey, if I was here. in your, if I was in your shoes, I would probably be worse. So I can't be too critical. I don't think there's much problem about that. <laughs> no, it's, it's the issue is there were Certainly a lot of not. Liverpool. There were a lot of Liverpool fans that went away and decided that they couldn't be dealing with football in the mid two thousands. And then mm. or mid, mid 2010s, I guess. And all last, all last year. Yeah, and then all of a, all of a sudden, it was like after, after Klopp took you to that Europa final the first time, it was like, hang on a minute, where were all of you? Because I distinctly remember being at school and a girl saying, oh, football's just shit, isn't it? Like, not too fast with that. 
Yeah, and yeah. I, look, and it's I, like if, if I know four or five of them, and you know four or five of them, and Alex knows four or five of them, then there's a lot of them out I, there. Yeah, I, I find that one of the most disgusting things. Honestly, I, I hate it, and it's worse when it's your own club as well. It feels horrible. I, I genuinely. I would rather have the lows when you're there and then appreciate them so much more. Like as I've yeah. said, I cried tears at us, win- at us beating Hull in FA Cup final. Yeah, even though I've said before the thing of like, uh, you know, if if your team's losing or if you, I just won't watch. You'd be like, well, no, no, you got to fucking sit and watch us suffer. And it's, I've I've said it before. I've got a bit of a an issue. I think because I'll always watch whoever wins the league. I'll watch the lift the trophy or whatever out of a sheer like punishment of you've got to sit and watch Man United lift this trophy year on year because ultimately if you do lift it yourself it's more rewarding that's a bit sick I know but I genuinely didn't know that people didn't do that until recently when I think you saw it when the Liverpool and United both got battered in the same weekend and it's happened to United far more frequently now but yeah the the amount you heard from oh I I switched that off mate it's like what I sat there during the 8-2 Yeah, you've every got, single goal. Watch whilst your team gets fingered. Especially, you've had a lot of it with United this year. I know loads of United fans who just didn't watch the Liverpool game because they knew they were getting hammered. Like, unfortunately, lads, you had the good times and you've got to take the bad times. And the bad times are getting rough. <laughs> but you're going to have to take it, I'm afraid. For me, I've been go all yeah, I watched the eight two, the six nil, the six nil, the five nil, the five nil, the five one, the four nil, the four two. It's like I've got more than I can count. It's just character building at that stage. Um, just wish it was for the players. Yeah. Uh, United got battered again. Um, I mean, somehow I saw De Gea coming out of it with props, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. The only real thing I wanted to mention was. Sky did a kind of deep dive on Ronaldo laughing afterwards when do you not think he was just kind of thinking the the same as all of us with like what the fuck am I dealing with here? <laughs> yeah, what else is he supposed to do? What what do you think Maguire thinks sat on that bench, genuinely? Because United weren't winning anything anyway. Do you think there's a part of him that's like too right? Look at these goals going while well, I'm sad here. Yeah. Yeah, I think he does. Blame I me think- now. It was nil nil when he came on. Yeah, I think he feels, and this is a bit delusional, but I think he feels unfairly scapegoated. I think he thinks I've been, the, I've basically been shafted it, even though he has been a disaster this year. But you know, the, almost all of them have, and he probably he does get more profile, obviously. The pre-game, I think, he'll be sat there, I think it's not not me. No, the pre-game before Liverpool when they interviewed him, he said he was asked about his form, and he said, "Well, I keep hearing about this." The, we've had two managers this season and I've started for both of them every single game and look at the manager before that and I was playing for him as well so if I'm that bad explain that and he was dropped a game after that um, <laughs> his house I mean they, you know the the bomb thing I say quite casually um, oh yeah just yeah. a casual bomb threat just that. yeah he was dropped immediately after that um, and still isn't back in the team but Varane's the guy you need to be looking at here and we probably as happens a lot we perhaps need to look at Sergio Ramos a bit closer and say you know what fair play because you are this guy looking like a Rolls Royce well the thing is they were just perfect for each other they the, the, each each one cancelled the other one's faults if you like they were the perfect marriage and obviously but Ramos isn't about- looking like Varane and I could tell you you could put Ramos in this United team and he's not looking like that 
well, current Ramos might because he's crocked. But mm, uh, still, he's have the position of awareness like Varane is. Jeez, Louise. But I th- if you watch Ramos, that was kind of his thing. It was a bit erratic, but he, he just had so many other qualities that he could kind of make up for it. And then in turn, Varane, maybe not the best, but with lightning quick so he could get back in and make up for it. So it was a, a bit of an odd one, but he's... I thought he still had enough quality and I didn't think Maguire would fall off in the way he has. If you look at his form towards the end of last year and obviously during the Euros, so such a distant memory now. For him and Luke Shaw, you know, I, I can't almost remember these players. Yeah, the, the biggest winner in the whole Maguire thing is um, Paul Merson, who people seem to have just yeah. now redefined as a guy where, look, when this guy speaks, you listen. Yeah, he makes yeah good it's points. so good. So good. <laughs> it is one of those things, throwing enough shit at a wall. So. Yeah. Um, all right. It's weird. Are you telling me that by winning this Champions League for Real Madrid, Varane isn't actually just automatically better than Van Dijk? Weird. Uh, at, at this point, I, I was annoyed by the Ben White comparisons at first after what we'd seen. By now, I'm offended that this could even be a thing because it's like one guy's showing you this and one guy is showing you that. Like, if we'll, we'll make it a theme of the episode, take the names away. It's not close. No. Um, yeah, I, you know, I see you and Arsenal fans are getting annoyed about it. I'd be loving it, just loving it. It's yeah. great. I mean, it's no, funny. Now, now, now we can. Mm. Um, not much to say on on Arsenal. Um, quite a clear case of I thought what happens when you play with your food. Two goals early against Leeds, where I don't know how much longer we're calling Melier a good prospect because he seems to be making far more mistakes than any keeper I can remember since probably Ramsdale at Sheffield, to be honest with you. Uh, and oh, he just seems to get away with it every time. I don't know what their backup's like, but in Ketia, two goals early, I was watching Martinelli bully Luke Aylin. And then Aylin oh comes in with one of the worst tackles I've seen up close in, you're like, okay, well, that's a red. And then the ref has the yellow out so quickly, you, you question if you've seen it properly. And the VAR thing came up on screen and it seemed to take a little while and signaling the Emirates is awful, mm-hmm. beyond bad. And I just got a signal for a second and I had three messages come through. One said, he's gone. Two said, definite red. And a third said, he's walking. And I thought, okay. They... And it, only at half time, Harper sent me a video of the tackle. And it was like, if you were putting together a checklist for what constitutes a red card, <laughs> off the floor, two-footed, out of control. Like, Ailing, yeah. he's lined it up from about 30 yards away. Like, I don't know what the hell. Why was Rafinha suddenly in the ref's face like he hadn't seen it properly? I couldn't get Honest, my head around it. Everybody needs a teammate like that. Christ, that is going down with the ship. Short of dropping the headbutt at the same time, Ailing, like you said, ticked every box, didn't he? It could and not did kind of signpost more, it. Yeah, it could not have been more in front of me. Like, I was behind that corner. So I saw oh, Ailing wow. charging towards. And then, yeah, it was... Geez, it worked for me. And Eddie and Ketty had to score Luke Ailing to be carded. Um, the nice. biggest shock was the lad I went with said, you sure it counts if he gets sent off? I'm like, hang on a minute, ref. I might be agreeing with you here. That got in your head. <laughs> but then uh, after that, I mean, I don't want to compare it to Madrid's performance against uh, Real Madrid, uh, City's performance against Real Madrid. But there's an best. argument. This is why we need Haaland. Because we just <laughs> don't have a striker that's putting these chances in the back of the net. 
And once they got that corner, their first time in our half, I think, in the second half, I said, you know what would be very Arsenal now? <laughs> all week we've heard, you know, they've not actually conceded from a set piece all season. And then Ramsdale dared mention it. I think he mentioned it in the Crouch podcast. He mentioned it on Sky last week. And you thought, I know what's going on. That was tempting fate too much, yeah. Even he said touch wood. But it's all well and good saying that. You do actually have to touch wood. you got to touch wood, yep. So it was a far nervier end to the game than it ever should have been. Like I just kept turning. I made it going, like, why, why is this happening? Like, how are we in this position? That's good. It keeps you honest. And then at the end of the game, when I'm not sure who it was, someone gets to a header off the, off the flick of a free kick. And I looked away because I couldn't, I couldn't cope with what I thought I was about to see. I just had to rely on the crowd cheering Ramsdale catching it. <laughs> I was nervous. I feel like I was nervier like, than like I was, was in the North London derby. It was horrible. It just seemed to a slow motion of all being flicked in the air. When Pepe has an open goal in front of him and tries to check back onto his left foot while he's a yard in front of the guy oh, behind God. him. I couldn't recreate the noise I let out if I tried. <laughs> if that isn't the last time he kicks a ball in an Arsenal shirt, then it must be because he's warming up. He is... Yeah. I could think of 72 million better ways to spend 72 million. <laughs> Yeah, that's and they'd all be a lot more fun. Before the North London derby, then Everton sneaking closer to safety. Did, oh, did anyone God. think Leicester were going to beat them this weekend? Because it felt a foregone conclusion that Everton were going to beat them to me. Yeah, yeah, you got no faith in Leicester at all, do you? No, if we're talking about mentality like earlier, Leicester and Brendan needs to get out of there before he has no reputation left to save. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's a number of them boys at Leicester who aren't doing their, themselves any good either. Like if, if I told you a year ago that the general reaction to Tielemans possibly coming to Arsenal was underwhelming, if you did a poll today with Arsenal fans as to are you happy with this signing, the majority would say no, which is wild to me for the record. Oh no, I know what you mean. I'm, look, I'm struggling to eat this month. I've invested all my money in the <laughs> Tillerman stock, and it's gone through the fucking floor. It's it's meant it's literally that second that winner they conceded against Spurs, where he's like walking back. Yeah, yeah. I'm hearing people talk like he's got Lacazette's waistline. Yeah, he is getting some stick, and I feel like it's going to be even worse as well when he gets a move and then starts playing well. It's going to look even worse. Yeah, at this point, I do trust those who are making the signings um, enough where I'll put the Lekonga and Tavares one. Lekonga, I can't make a decision on yet. The Tavares one I'll put down. So, okay, you couldn't spend your whole summer chasing a left back. We got one over the line. It's not paid off. I look at the Tomiyasu, Ben White, Ramsdale, etc. and say, if you're going in for Tielemans, then you're pretty confident in that you can get the best out of him even if it's just putting him on a weight loss program, <laughs> getting a better defensive left back behind him that's more stationary, whatever it is. I'm 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 pretty chilled out with that one. Add the extra goals. So we'll see how that one goes. Um, North London derby then, Alex. Are you looking forward to it? 
Um, yeah, Fantastic why hesitate, not? Hesitate, scared. Jesus. What? Why not? Why I know not? Luke's answer. <laughs> this is what we watch football for. No, it's not. The, yeah, I can, the, I can tell you categorically, it's not what I watch football for. If, Luke wants no tension. If a genie came down now and said, chop off both your baby fingers, I'll give you a 1-0 win. Even if he said, chop off one of your fingers, I'll give you a 65% chance of a win, and I'll guarantee you a draw. My little finger's gone. <laughs> I, nah, absolutely I hate, not. I absolutely hate games not. like this. I've gone to the North London Derby <laughs> for the last four, five years. Travelling down every time, the last three, I've woke up in the morning and thought, I actually don't want to go. <laughs> because I'll tell you, Alex, the chance of winning doesn't outweigh... The, the risk of losing. <laughs> not even the risk of losing, but... The, the the mid game feeling of maybe losing, like every floated ball, that Kane free kick that he had in stoppage time in the behind closed Oof. doors game. Like I had to check myself after that free <laughs> kick. <laughs> they aren't enjoyable for me, and I look at some players whose form has been particularly good. I look at someone like Ramsdale, who I love, but at the same time, I always feel like. Some bad's due to happen to you because enough people are going to revel in it. <laughs> On Crouch's podcast this week, he said, I've actually had to start making a conscious effort to not piss off too many fan bases because I do want to be England number one at one stage and I don't want everyone to hate me. What a guy. And it just feels so right that the most likable man in the world's son is just going to score some... It's going to be... We're going to low block, and then Spurs are going to go, don't worry about us crossing it into the box. We're just going to ping one from here, and it's going to deflect off a fly and go into the net. It's just... Uh, yeah, if I could sleep through it, uh, a lad I know is working, and I said, you know what? You've probably got it lucky there, where you've got the reasoning to say that you can't watch it and so you've got the easy out. I don't have that. I've asked Troy if he wants to watch it with me so we can do it together. He's not replied, which maybe tells you a lot about what I'd be like to watch that game with. How confident are you, Alex? Uh, not at all. Oh, <laughs> bro, not, 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 not confident at all. all I, right. I, 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 I mean, for me, for me, I, I think is is done already for us. I don't think we're going to get Champions League football. Don't get me started on this coward. Honestly, don't. <laughs> so, nah, no, no, no. Gen genuinely, though, like, I, I, I'm not... I, I'm looking forward to the game, but I'm not If you confident. win, then you've got two bottom Give four me. teams. Yeah. In the last but, two. But we've done more than enough to prove this season that we are fully capable of getting a draw or losing those games. I feel like drawing or losing to Norwich. Is uh, Burnley, Burnley, is still gonna, Burnley are playing for something. Yeah. Like have something to play for. Like, as far as I'm concerned, our last two games, we're, what we're up against in the last two oh, games... Oh, just don't even say it. Like, you're going to about to irritate me. Everton. <laughs> Everton. Uh, Everton. <laughs> Everton could be safe uh, by the time you play them. And, uh, and You've Burnley... got Norwich on the last day. 
whose face is already hey, confirmed. They might still have something to fight for, Luke. <laughs> They're playing for pride. You, we might be both playing teams that have got nothing to play for. Uh, nothing to play for. They're already safe, whereas we've got Burnley next to have got everything to play for. Everton, I'm pretty sure, are going to have something to play for, regardless, even if it's just uh, on goals or something. Um, TK, I'll ask you. Arsenal are four points ahead of Spurs going into this game. You're welcome. Yeah, <laughs> it'd have been five. I was um, nicking that draw. That there's plucky underdogs in red. Now, if you avoid the obvious nature of the question, who does the situation suit more? Do you think it suits Spurs more that ultimately they need to come and win this game? Do you think there's a certain level of simplicity that comes from that? Whereas Arsenal, you'd imagine going into the game, whether Arteta says it or not, are thinking, we'll take a point here. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fair point. Sort of crystallises what you're looking to do, doesn't it? Um, I do think, though, for weeks now, I think it's been imperative on Arsenal that you don't need to win this game. You've got to get into a situation where you don't have to win. If you can get away with a draw, I mean, technically, you can lose this game. Now... I realise that's not going to be ideal. No, the situations... The key thing was that you didn't have to win. I think it was always going to be going in. If we lose this and we assume here that Spurs get maximum points from the next two, then Arsenal need to win both games to guarantee top four. If Arsenal draw this game, they need to win one of their remaining two games to get top four. If they lose, they need to win the remaining two to get top four. And if they win, then top four is secured. Yeah. And to be honest, this is I'm going to be sort of the antithesis, antithesis of Sky here, where you're supposed to hype games up to the thing. This is going to be great. It's going to feel like the entire season. And yet I think both of you win your last two games, so it's kind of irrelevant anyway. But there you go. I wish you maybe, maybe Jack could say Chelsea aren't going to win another, pick up another point, so maybe it's not irrelevant actually. Do you have any wood near you that you can touch? Because I just. I, I'm not going to feel comfortable with Personal you if question. you have said that. Touch um, wood. There we go. There you go. Touched it. I will. I will That's say, and I'm going to touch wood here as I say this. Um, now, I didn't see the Newcastle City game, um, but I've seen the highlights from it. And is it fair to say that now that their safety is secured, Newcastle aren't perhaps the frightening opposition? that for a couple of weeks they look like they might be at this stage? The only thing I would say is they looked pretty decent against us. Was that last a week, yeah. only a week earlier? Having said that, that's probably a pretty good advert for how people view Liverpool and how people view City. I think you think you've got just a small chance, half a chance against Liverpool, and you accept you've got no chance against City. It's that St. So, James's as well. With that in mind, if I say they think they've got half a chance against Liverpool... I think they'll definitely fancy a chance against Arsenal. Yeah. yeah. But uh, again, though, that might that might benefit you. They're going to be having a go at you. You're going to have opportunities. Yeah, I perhaps worrying. That, I think that's the hardest game across both your uh, of all the fixtures remaining. They've their two games are as gimme as they could hope for for Spurs. Yeah, Everton at this and stage. I'm hoping Everton, they know Everton's what as kind of fixtures you could want. Newcastle's the only one where I'd go a small question mark. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping with Everton they know they're safe or they know they're down. <laughs> don't you don't want Frank. Well, it's more. I'm more worried about Deli Ali 
because oh. I just know how these things go, to be honest with you. And, like, I hate that man enough already. That would be incredible. <laughs> oh. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, if if, uh, if Deli Ali scores a goal against you to cause you to draw or lose in the final game, I'll give him a contract back at Spurs. <laughs> if if Deli Ali does that, you won't be on the podcast the week after. I'll be blocking your Skype. <laughs> Um, although if he I, did that, you, know, you would never have seen the use of the term 4D chess anymore than you would see <laughs> that weekend. I'm I need to find like the clip or just get Sean to record it in advance. Um, him just saying like we weren't ready for the Champions League, and I'll just play that subconsciously like in my ears to sink in. <laughs> and I wake up on the Monday, like, you know what, we'll go, we'll go back for it next year. Well, to be fair... I mean, it worked well for Spurs. Everything worked well after he said that, didn't it? (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, to be fair, I I think the Europa League is a better option for us because it's a competition we're probably going to go... Well, I think if uh, whoever gets the league out of the two of us, we're going to just get knocked out in the group stage anyway, whereas Europa League... You got knocked out in the group stage of the Conference League. Let's not think you're you're Europa League. uh, No, no, that was under controversial circumstances. Yeah, you're only Where do you get off? that stage anyway. <laughs> um, Where do you get the ego? TK, <laughs> if if you're Arteta for this game, great head of hair you'd have. Picturing you with Arteta's hair now is great. Um, <laughs> it would look somewhat haunting with my complexion. <laughs> would you start five at the back? And whether you would or wouldn't, who would be your back four? Um, just interested as to whether you saw Cedric Suarez's performance yesterday. Well, I wouldn't play five at the back because I'm going to want to bring Rob Holding on, aren't I? Yeah, the... yeah, it's a good point. So, um, Cedric has improved in the second half of the season. Maybe there is a degree Did of... Did you see he him couldn't, yesterday? He couldn't have got worse. I, saw, saw... I saw him yesterday and I was looking at Tavares going, you know what? <laughs> Not that I want him against Sun, by the way. Oh, dear Lord. No. So, uh, is yeah. there an argument for Tommy Asu left back, Ben White right back, holding at centre back? No, no, I don't think there is. Okay. I think you'd be toying too much, and in a game of this magnitude, I, I wouldn't be doing that. Um, Tommy Asu I... looked comfortable at left back yesterday against Rafinha, but admittedly, the danger was far less than I imagine it would be in this circumstance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't go toying around it too much. I wouldn't overthink it. Okay, so so what? If we're assuming Ben White's fit, so you're going. And Tommy Asu is fit still, isn't he? Yeah. So what so are you going? Right. Tommy Asu left back, Cedric right back. Yeah, Gabriel and Ben White. Gabriel and Ben White in the middle. Uh, I'd stick with that. Bring Robert right. Holden on off the bench because you know you'll be money once you do. I'm. I'd think that I'd play Tommy Asu on whatever side Sun is on. Just let him follow him. Yeah, pretty much. Because I, I think for all of how much I love Gabrielle and I love Ben White, I think Tommy Asu is probably our best pure defender. And I probably need to touch wood again. But just in terms of he scored the rate at which people get past him, yeah, what yeah. he offers in terms of consistency, athleticism, like is the complete package and I'm I'm very glad Spurs didn't get him when they got Emerson instead but look he turned into Cafu at the weekend so maybe he follows that up we don't talk I was going to say 
respect on Kathy's name. Yeah. Um, final question, TK. Do Spurs have to win? I don't think there's even a question, is there? They, they obviously have to. And do they win? Uh, no, it's, it's a draw. It's a stinker. Don't get very many stinkers in North London derby. No, no. These two managers are going to do their best. Yeah, or maybe it'll be the opposite. I, I don't know. Arteta's got that pep in him, hasn't he? Where it, it, I genuinely, if <laughs> yeah, Tavares definitely. may start. Yeah, yeah, that is that is a concern. It might. To be fair, I, you're not going to like this. I do hope Spurs do turn don't. up and are at it. I do hope they're at it. Why? Only, Why? Only for genuinely. Come on, you've just spent the entire time saying you help me don't win anything. Give me a break. <laughs> I still want you to get top four. I, I've made very clear it wasn't personal to you. <laughs> this isn't personal to you. What the hell? No, because no, it feels like it is, whether you say that or not. I could just say the same to you, surely. It feels like it feels like we're at a fire. You're stabbing range. me and saying, look, it's nothing personal. No, it doesn't no. go out. Well, fair enough. I won't like, stab you back then. You've you've been blindfolded by some bad guys. They've taken the blindfold off. They tell you you've got one bullet in this gun. You look left and they wheel out Alex. They look right and they wheel out me. And it feels like you've not even thought about it. You've just put one <laughs> right between my eyes. What? No, it's it's that fair. It's actually you've overlooked. There was Alex and Sean next to each other. So I thought, well, I can't choose between the two Spurs fans. So I'll just go with the Arsenal fan. Just start. That's honest. all it was. Very it's just practical measures. I think no, you line I... up. Well, I think you line up one in front of the other there. Try and hope go through. That's how thick Sean's head really is. <laughs> the uh, no, listen. I I probably out of the two of you, I would rather Arsenal get top four. But this is the best result for uh, just carnage to end the season. I want some jeopardy to the end of the season. You know, that's what I want. I want a title race that goes all the way, a top four race goes all the way, a relegation finally goes all the way. And as it stands, none of the above might happen. So I need it to carry on. Yeah, I've kind of written off the game to the point where I've been thinking about the lack of phone signal in the Emirates and how I'm going to be checking on the final day, which I'm already regretting buying tickets to. But <laughs> maybe I'll have a rare drink at the Emirates if uh, if things go to plan. We'll see how we go. Do you remember the last time you bought a ticket and didn't just have instant regret? That seems to be all there ever is to you buying a ticket. Well, to be honest, I, I the United game and even with spending that, I up until the day when, it's bullish. What everything surrounding it, and I don't think there's an Arsenal fan that will tell you they felt any different, regardless of how bad it is. There was a sense that after he missed the game against Liverpool and everything around that, Ronaldo was just going to come and batter us. Yeah. And yeah. I was terrified then. And I think we saw Tavares in the game before. It was like, Jesus H, <laughs> this isn't going to be pretty. But yeah, the, the United one's probably the last one I felt like I was looking forward to. I felt like that with West Ham till I saw the the selection, which they got what they deserved, by the way. You don't kid Ouch. yourself into thinking you can compete in the league and the Champions League uh, and the Europa League. It doesn't work like that. You've got to pick one <laughs> or the other. Liverpool had to do it. We've had yeah. to do it. Spurs haven't traditionally got that far, but they would do it. <laughs> It's the rules, and Moyes thought he could uh, not abide by them and then resorted to try and boot a ball at that a That was uh, so, head. so good. I've never seen such rage. 
I didn't know the context, and I came out of the cinema to a print screen of uh, a quote from Connor saying the ball just sat up for me nicely on the volley, and I felt like I had to. I was like, what the hell's gone on here? And I thought that had to be a fake quote, and then I saw, <laughs> and then I saw <laughs> this is magic. I'd look Where's for it? him going uh, to the cinema rather than watching that game, by the way. Oh, what? Yep, said oh, dear. he saved himself the anger. Is that did he go out of his way to do that as well? As no, he already that. had the tickets booked and then okay. perhaps didn't expect West Ham to be there or just didn't add up that, that could be the case. I like the idea he thought, look, I've just got to take myself myself somewhere that I'm not gonna see this game. Yeah, I think he it. came out with about half an hour left, maybe. Think thinking of not actually enjoying watching games, you'd never do it, but you and Sean should watch the North London Derby together at some point because Gosh. I've never known two people who actively just do not want to watch any sort of like close Tottenham game. We did, we spoke, did the one, didn't we? And Sean's the... just like, I just don't enjoy this. Why, why are we doing this? I don't enjoy watching football every time there's a game with some jeopardy. We did the one on the last day in Krakow before oh, we flew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was that was bad enough. Um, but Alex, we still have a bit of fighting talk to get into, so uh, probably best we bid you farewell. Okay. Adios. Um, whether I speak to you later in the week is yeah ultimately down to Thursday. So if you're kicked <laughs> if you're kicked from the group chat before then, uh, no offense. He's kind of he's kind of his version yeah. of DJ Jazzy Jeff, isn't it? He just gets thrown out on the lawn every <laughs> yeah. about five times this week, I think. AJ. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. All right, cheers, lads. Adios. Yeah. All right. TK, what do you want to start with, boxing or UFC? Should we do the Canelo fight first? Yeah, all right. Um, so, I do want to clarify, as much as I was fairly dismissive of Bivol last week, I was also quite desperate for a poo at the time of recording. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I literally it's... watched your, uh, your entire demeanour change. I thought, okay, he's, <laughs> he's in a rush. It was that. Oh, I didn't. I didn't want to do a, a Sean and a fart directly down the mic. Um, so no, I, I did going into that. Probably I wasn't giving Bivol too much uh, credit as being a threat until probably the day of the fight. To be quite honest with you, mm. um, even after seeing the weigh-ins, it just in my head, it's been so long since we've seen Canelo in any real trouble. I couldn't quite fathom it happening. And then when you put um, his fight against Craig Richards on top of that bivol, I I didn't see it happening. I thought it was quite a calculated touch. And then maybe they thought it was, but hindsight obviously proved that to not be the case. Yeah, I mean, if they did think it was a touch, it's a, it's a horrible move, isn't it? I think uh, I, I said I felt it was the... Hardest fight Canelo could have taken outside of Peterbiev and the step up to Cruiser, which yeah. was mentioned and now looks a distant memory now, doesn't the idea that that will happen? You, I mean, in the interim, might be an easier touch than Bivol. Sorry? Do you not think Maccabu may have been an easier touch than Bivol? Potentially, but for all people who have been trying to make a thing of, look, don't just bring up Bivol's size because it disregards the skills he brings. While that is true, there was also a size factor as well that. I did think played it played itself, and I thought he looked. I mean, his chin's great, but I did think he looked yeah. affected by the shots Bivol was landing. 
and Makaba, if nothing else, can, can bang a bit for him. And he's a big man. Yeah. There's a clip from an interview, I think it was on Friday, maybe, um, after the weigh in, where Bivol essentially does say, like, I'm I'm not I'm not a little guy like I'm very much paraphrasing, but he effectively it's a great says, interview, like, I can't believe people aren't talking about the fact that I'm so much bigger than him. You think this little guy is going to come and beat me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's literally says that he's he's a really good fighter, but they're talking like he's unstoppable. Like, and I'm, I've got no chance. So I just don't see it that way. I think essentially he said, if I'm on it, I win, isn't it? Which is spot on the money. It's been said a lot, but. The lack of promotion behind Bivol up to this point, certainly in the build-up to this, pretty criminal when you see he's actually got a pretty good personality. I think people probably thought his English maybe just wasn't good enough or whatever. Yeah, I had no clue. But you see that, you think like, you know, he's laughing at Hearn and he's having a bit of a laugh. and He's obviously got a personality there, which they haven't really explored at all. My only thinking with it was, I almost thought they were terrified for people to find out he was Russian. There was a genuinely concerted thing of, kind of uh, 40 Towers don't mention the war thing. It was a don't mention the Russia. Yeah, that was that was all I could think about because as you said in the most obvious one to me in recent memory was when the whole promotion for Rousey against Nunes was on Rousey with no real reference to Amanda Nunes and it's a bit different in this case that the majority thought that Canelo was going to win but in the hindsight of that it was like it was obvious he was going to win this and you kind of missed the chance to really max out. With Hearn and DeZone and Matchroom in general, it's not like they've got a roster full of stars. So maybe you you should be playing your hand there and make sure you give both guys the light because, look, Bivol's going to be with DeZone longer than Canelo, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a brutal one for DeZone, really. If you consider if Joshua does sign with Sky Sports... That's a big hit to the market over here. Uh, look, Canelo will always be a star as long as he's he's going, so that won't affect him too much. But any loss isn't ideal. But anyone certainly on, I think, particularly stateside, where they don't pay much attention to American people that aren't American fighters, they're going to look at Bivol and go, well, what's that all about? You know, when Jake Paul was slamming Bivol as an opponent, I think it was genuinely as a, well, I don't know who this guy is. So yeah. someone like Charlo and Benavidez is obviously a better option because I know who they are. It, it's it's a weird one for for her, and other than it's almost like he just enjoys being Canelo's mate. Like he gets off so really much in, in saying Canelo's my fighter, which I think if you ask Canelo what he thought of that, the response would be very different. Um, but <laughs> are you two me, going out? Uh, we're just seeing each other. <laughs> her thinks you're engaged. Well, yeah, but Boach messaged me on Sunday, and I I don't feel like I'm throwing him under the bus here at all. But he, he said to me, he was like. Why? Why does Hearn like love Canelo so much? Like, is he even like one of his fighters properly? And it's it kind of makes sense in that way that I don't really I don't view Canelo as a zone fighter. I view it as he's going to be with them for what while he has the fights that are available there. I don't think there's any kind of loyalty there. I think Hearn probably gives Canelo an easier ride than he's had with Oscar, who's probably the complete opposite. <laughs> and he was yeah. he was constantly trying to big boy Canelo. I mean, like, remember who kind of laid the path you here? Remember who I am? Yeah. He probably has a bit of a nicer time there. But yeah, it's, it's there definitely are, a missed call. There are means to an end, aren't they? He, he'll get them as, whilst the fights are there. But as he showed with the Caleb Plant one, 
it'll go wherever he needs to to get the, the fights he needs. Yeah, much like with Haney, he'll be like, you know what? I wanted him to do that. I actually wanted him to go and take that. And then look, we'll link up again. Like, we're still we're still going to be friends. Like, we're very, still gonna... <laughs> look, I always said we were in an open relationship. That's weird. You, you didn't mention it until... That's weird. When the fight started, the first round was largely um, uneventful. Hmm. Which was just as well, because I went to put the zone on my TV and it made me log in again, which was doing my head in. Nothing yeah. worse than having to do the login with like a remote or controller you have to keep moving the arrows to do the typing um their entire so got, thing still is just clunky it doesn't really work yeah well. i don't know how they haven't ironed it out no i got in about a minute into the round not a lot happened and then from round two i think there was a moment where bivol backed up canelo and canelo seemingly wasn't desperate to reclaim the center of the ring and that was almost the story of the fight there. I thought Canelo was far too happy to back up. And Bivol walked him down. And then almost any time Canelo thought he was going to be able to kind of swing off the ropes, Bivol said, I'm not that stupid, and backed off and called him back to the centre before he wanted to back him up again. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It was great composure from Bivol in that regard, wasn't it? Never went away from the game plan at all. And Canelo was, I think he read that Canelo was getting a bit desperate in trying to lay traps for him. And just never bit, did he? Never took the bait. It was not even like it was a particularly complex game plan either. Like when you look at, no. and just a recent example, um, Catterall against Josh Taylor, mm. it looks like there was a lot of kind of little intangibles that they put together for Catterall. And it was to do with the ways that he would clinch, it was to do with the ways that he would attack on the one side and this and that. And Bivol seemed almost as simple as show him you're the bigger guy. I think. Yeah. I gave Canelo the second round. I think in the last 30 seconds, he tried a bit of a flurry. Mm. And then I don't see how any judge has it 4-0 Canelo after four. Absolute best case scenario, you could have it 2-1. But that was, I, if I you were really it, looking. Yeah, um, particularly in the opening of the fight when I didn't feel at that stage that Bivol had hurt Canelo. And I thought Canelo was trying to be more active. And yeah, as you say, I was trying to, look and see how many of these are realistically going to be given to Canelo and so I had it 2-2 then and I had it Bivol winning by four rounds at the end and as I was looking at my card I thought it feels like it should be wider than this I've probably been generous yeah yeah uh, but I don't, I don't know it, it felt to me like midway through the fight Canelo was already planning his post-fight speech of you know I dare to be great we'll do this again even champions of off nights, like he seemed to accept it. Yeah, I thought, yeah, you're probably right. It was accepted. It was kind of reminiscent of the end of the Floyd fight where he looked just kind of a bit bamboozled by it. And obviously, I don't, like you said, because it wasn't much complicated about what Bivol was doing to him. But I think he, whether it was just that, you know, you buy your own hype or you get complacent or whatever, I don't think he looked like he couldn't believe what was in front of him. And I think, again, I think the power did shock him a little bit. I think when you looked at when he took some of the shots, I think he looked visibly sort of. Oh, yeah, I wasn't the, quite. I wasn't expecting this. Shocked is is a good way to describe it because I didn't ever look at him really think he was buzzed, but it was a bit like, oh, I wasn't quite expecting you to be able yeah. to do that to me, because Bivol was never really loading up. Like a lot of the shots almost looked like pitter patter shots, but Canelo just couldn't get out of the way of them because once he had him on the ropes. He didn't give him an exit until he chose to give him an exit. 
No. I think whether he, I don't know if he just didn't have the best account, people are obviously going to look into that change of diet thing going on with him. But he didn't look as uh, quick. I know the extra weight obviously will do this, but in the counters or whatever, he doesn't tend to get caught much at all, really. And yeah. he was still getting caught. He wasn't really snipping and, and landing like he would normally. And he also, would, people are talking about how he looked tight, but he was loading up and he was loading up early. And if you looked at the, people were saying that uh, the shots to the arms and stuff were going to pay dividends later on. Well, firstly, that's only if you can get him to sort of lower the arms like he did with Cam Smith, which he never really did with Bivol. And also, it ignores the fact of how much it's taken out of him, just loading up and throwing on the arms. Not really doing anything for you. Uh, it's just taking out of your gas tank. I thought it was a bit overstated in the Callum Smith one because Callum Agreed. Smith effectively Agreed. gave up and the, the arm injury mm. was quite a good way of getting around it. You're yeah. very rarely going to beat someone by just punching them in the arm like you're doing birthday beats. <laughs> and, so, and more often than not, you get criticised, wouldn't you? If you were just hitting the arms, you go, well, that's, that's not landing. How many yeah. times is it with Floyd? We go, well, there's nothing landing clean. Now. It's all been on the arms and shoulders. Debated as to whether they were scoring shots, and it's like, when have these ever been scoring shots? Like you're going in there to damage someone, you're very rarely going to punch someone's arm off unless you're fighting like Terry Flanagan or something. <laughs> and Bivol literally said in his interview after, he said, "Yeah, it hurts, but I'd rather that than my head." You know, yeah, that's a pretty, yeah. <laughs> pretty solid way of saying. Yeah, I think even some of the reaction was a bit ott afterwards like i saw people almost like defending canelo and it's like i think he'll be all right you, you, some people <laughs> seem more bothered than he was it people are jumping to him like you know he dared to be great it's like well fair play but at the same time if we're going to give him the credit when he wins then you can't when he loses it's just a free hit yeah that's it isn't it everyone wants it both ways don't they we're back on the uh guardiola thing aren't we well you, you want it both ways you want the constant praise and you don't want the criticism but the the thing is, I didn't even see that much criticism for him. I just, it was a good, it was a good night in terms of Bivol got a lot, a lot of praise. Yeah, I didn't see kind of getting slagged that much, really. No. So I do thought you, it was probably fair enough. Do you think he does take the rematch, Canelo? Yeah, yeah, I think he does. I think I that think might be once a you've mentioned it, you almost have to, don't you? Yeah, that's it, isn't it? He's the competitor in him will want to do it. Do you know there was a rematch clause before? I hadn't heard it mentioned, and usually, I mean, Hearn loves driving. No, it, it, it did get mentioned. Okay. Because I saw Hearn getting, having it stuck on him, as ever. And he just did his usual one, well, when you get a payday against Canelo, having yeah. a rematch is always just a standard thing. In and some in fact, cases... He did, he did also say in that, it's like, well, it's double bubble. If that's the case, it's good, good news for Dimitri Bivol because if you do win, you get the payday two times over. So. Yeah, effectively guarantees it just stops you renegotiating, doesn't it, and saying, oh, well, I want more now. Yeah, but Bivol did say there's going to have to be a new negotiation, so whether he's going to be a bit bullish about that would be interesting. Yeah, there was the one, wasn't there, where um, I think they were trying to do it for the Fury-Joshua one where it was like, okay, the winner gets more the second time around, which feels fairly uncommon. Um but Bivol, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it won't be too hard of a negotiation. For him, it's like, okay, well, I had a pretty easy time first time around. Why not double down on it? It's not... The ones that irritate me is when there's been an upset for a world title and then you have to do it again. It's all, well, why should you have to do it again? You, you shouldn't have to win your world title twice. No, no, that's absolutely true. This, so they you, both, yeah. yeah, they've both already won plenty. I think also with... As, if you don't have a an immediately more obvious attractive fight out there and as it is there probably isn't 
for either of them. You know, people are now saying, well, actually, this makes the Golovkin fight better for Canelo. I think Canelo is still Canelo, and Golovkin yeah. is still a faded Golovkin. So we would. I don't think that this fight changes my thoughts on that. No, no. So, um, do you want to speak about the UFC? I'm sure we'll have Canelo, and we're going to hear about his next plans in the however many weeks. The only other thing I will say on Bill, yeah. for all we sort of briefly touched on that we thought he was a threat, but probably lent towards Canelo getting over. Some of the rewriting from a lot of people, I think some people did legitimately call it he was going to win in fairness to them, but some people sort of saying, oh, he got overlooked, whatever. Like he hadn't gone, like I said, to decision with Craig Richards and some of the yeah. other sort of guys on the block uh, at light heavy. I mean, this was clearly a case of he needed a big fight to get up for to get the best out of him, I think. And we saw that. But the idea that, you know, I think you went decision with like Jean Pascal not that long ago. So yeah, that's it, always going to do it. You know, there's always going to have an easy way of saying to people like, "Well, I do actually follow boxing by the way." So <laughs> yeah. if you hadn't heard, if you didn't think Bivol was a threat, then I guess you don't really watch much. There is a lot of that. Um, when it was just easy to cover your bases, wasn't it? Like I think Canelo will win, but Bivol is actually he is definitely a big threat. And it's like, well, which side are you picking here then? Because you're not having both of these. I had the worst. Uh, the worst of all worlds, really, and that I thought Bivol could win, but would never get the decision. So I was too cowardly to put the bet on. So and I looked at that and thought Bivol decision is probably if you had to pick a bet, is the one I'd go with, and uh, didn't do it. So coward. I lost fifteen pounds in about round nine, where I think Canelo tried having his big round, and thought, okay, he just needs to win a couple here, and they'll give him at least a draw and so cover the draw and Canelo's decision and the judges had a good night right they, well semi, even semi they didn't have a good night i think without that it, him I'm having to terrible. win the last round to, <laughs> to win the fight suspiciously every single scorecard the exact same was that's yeah very weird there we go um ufc there no need to go through the whole card but just the main fights I mean, are we going to ignore Esparza against Rose because I have no real desire to talk about that one. The only thing I'll say how the universe did finally come together and give us the Canelo yes. fight during that was just yes. such perfect timing. Perfectly at the end of Chandler Ferguson and before Gaethje Oliveira. That was perfect. I'm amazed no one has leaked a photo of Dana watching that yet because he absolutely oh, was. for sure. They asked, they asked Dana, how did you score the fight? And he says, I'm going to be honest with you. I checked that in the fucking second round. That was, <laughs> he says, uh, I think he said something along the lines of like, when, when a fight's that uneventful, like, I'd be happy to have neither of you in. <laughs> he can be a bastard, but it is quite funny having someone that honest as the boss every well, so often. Anderson Silva's been saying about how much he's been slagged off recently. And Dana he said... Uh, Look, I've never criticised that guy other than his fight with uh, Damian Meyer. And he's like, and who the fuck didn't criticise him after that fight with Damian Meyer? <laughs> <laughs> that was where they put it on, maybe in China, maybe? They put it on somewhere where they were like, this is going to be huge for the sport. This is going to be unbelievable. And it was just the stinkiest fight ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Woodley Meyer on crack. Um, <laughs> let's jump straight to... Chandler against Ferguson because oh. in whatever way I had that going it wasn't Ferguson coming out the blocks fast a guy who's kind of a notoriously like slow slow starter is going to pick things up on his way through 
and then he just comes out like a steam train. Like it's very mm. easy to say, well, the year off's helped me, but seemingly the, the year off had helped him. His leg had healed up. He looked springy. Like he, he wasn't fast, but he wasn't slow. Um, and he was sticking it on Chandler, hurt him a couple of times. And it was like, oh, we've got a fight here, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. This is what we wanted. Yeah, it looked like he could get him out of there, didn't he? You know, like you said, looks, I'm not going to say back to the best Tony Ferguson, but certainly no. a lot more in the tank than probably a lot of us thought. Yeah, he didn't shot to bits. No, no. I do wonder if this version of Tony Ferguson is going to be three rounders are going to suit him better at this point. Yeah. The pacing he's going to be able to put on it is better than dragging him into a five rounder. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of in that stage now where I was with Cerrone about like five years ago, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. and the same way I would be with McGregor now, where it's like I've just I'm with Nate. It's like just match them fights. against guys who are going to be fun. Yeah, and to be honest, Chandler won, and even still, I'm like just match this guy against grittiest, stand in the middle, swang and bang kind of guy, because. If that's the entertainment you're going to get, what we get around, around and about a minute out of these two, it's just dynamite. Like the the fights, and I always say on here, the ones that just subconsciously make you sit forward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, spot. I mean, Chandler's entire year secret has been nuts, hasn't it? Really, he's been yeah. unbelievable value. Ferguson comes out like that. Chandler gets bloodied up. Um, the the Ferguson elbows are back. Then near yeah, the end, the eye looked horrible for Chandler. Like yeah, he's sort of dented and caved in. And then he cuts Tony up right near the end of the round. Both guys, when Ferguson, who's a, a very serious guy, and sometimes you can doubt people who say how much they enjoy fighting. Ferguson, after a good start, has had a rough-ish end to the round. He gets up with the biggest smirk on his face, helps Chandler up. And it's like he would. There's nowhere else he'd rather be, and there's no other type of fight you'd rather be in. And then, unfortunately for him, he was like 99.9% of the world that just did not have a Chandler front kick down as a possibility. Not at all. I didn't have Ferguson going. I when I thought how this fight would go, obviously I thought Chandler would win. I didn't think. Ferg out cold on his face was how it would go though. No, I, I thought he'd be stopped, but I thought it would be one where he's going to protest it. He's yeah. just going to be kind of pounded on the floor or whatever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I thought yeah. he does obviously love fight. I think potentially he was relieved after that first round that, okay, I've still got Yeah, it. yeah. I, st- I think there's a bit of that in there. It's as brutal a finish as I can remember seeing as well, just in the oh. way he falls. I watched. Um, and the, the 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 noise of the fall reminded me. I watched back Jimmy Manoa against uh, Rakic on my lunch break today. If you can remember that, we all were on the podcast saying, well, "What can Rakic do that's different to Jimmy Manoa?" Yes, yeah. And then he gets that head kick, and you hear his head just thud. Mm. And I'm going to ask you to be honest here as well. Do you prefer it, or do you not like it so much that in the UFC recently? Someone is like dead on the floor and they celebrate around them like it's the most normal thing in the world. Like Tony Ferguson's legs are crossed over unconscious and Chandler is just doing backflips in front of him. Yeah, this is not an easy thing to confess, is it? But I do, on the basis that so far it's never gone wrong. The pictures are so cool after. It, it this that must 
let's face it, one, that's the aim. That's what he's trying to do. So we should celebrate it. Yeah. And the buzz must be unbelievable, in fairness. It's like, I don't know, kilo yeah. of cocaine all at once. Yeah. And it, so in that respect, you, you can't really fault it. And as long as it does, it is a, unfortunately a sort of a, the answer is results based. Each time the fighter has proven to be okay. So celebrating yeah. is all right. Yeah, this thing has said previously, like, no matter what, how good you think it would be, there is no greater feeling than the moment, and he uses the yeah, punch, he says, when your punch goes through someone and you just know mm. that you could not have hit someone any cleaner. And he said, the second you see them go down, it is every high you could imagine rolled up into one. Because, yeah, you're happy like every animalistic instinct in you is like oh I'm the most powerful man in the world yeah, yeah I can relief. take anyone and he said yeah you could not he said that is that is the thing he said when athletes finish and they're like oh I missed that camaraderie in the changing room he's like I missed that feeling of like putting my fist through someone's head like <laughs> there is just <laughs> nothing like it uh, yeah yes. and that's why that's why they end up often running into trouble post career, isn't it? Because you're yeah. you're looking for a high to match that, which nothing in normal life really can. No, oh, and so Chandler there, like even he, when he's asked in the interview, was that something you worked on? He's like, Oh, we knew we could get the shots down the middle, which makes perfect sense when he says it afterwards. Even he's like, I didn't really, <laughs> I just kind no. of threw it. And on and the slow-mo, face- there's a moment where Ferguson oh. is face like, Oh fuck, this is yeah. about to hit me in the face. <laughs> Yeah, there's the still shots have been brutal, haven't they? The uh, the thing, the extra element with Chana as well, he he had to win if he for the big fights he wants and for another run at the title, which he probably wants, he was going to have to win a loss to Tony Ferguson. You're done. You can start fun fights, but you're not getting in the big leagues anymore. Yeah, I I think the Oliveira callout was wasted because. As yeah. fun as that fight was in the moment, I don't look back as that. I don't. I won't look back on that like Gaethje Oliveira, where they both kind of exchanged dropping each other early. I look at that as you dropped him, you missed your chance. He got up and took you out. I it didn't feel like a back and forth fight to me. Um, really, from memory, the Oliveira, how- the Chandler one, doesn't feel like that to me. It feels like he had a moment at the start and then. Oliveira did the opposite. It, it wasn't so much back and forth as it was back and then back. I felt, I don't know. I've, I felt to me like, if you said to me, right, you can make Chandler Oliveira tomorrow, you can make Gage Oliveira tomorrow, I'd give Chandler a better chance of winning it. Yeah, so would I now. Um, but just in how I reflect on those fights, yeah. I, I thought from a promotional standpoint, they're not booking that fight next. Like, no, no, no. So no, I no. thought I, you can I put that one out the window now. I thought... The McGregor one makes perfect sense to me, although winning actually might be to your detriment in in that camp when we look at what they did with giving him Cerrone. Um, in fact, when I tweeted and someone replied to me saying giving McGregor Ferguson actually makes more sense for what they imagine the UFC's trying to do now, and I can't really argue with it, to be honest with you. I just no, think they would hope that Ferguson didn't quite go down in the same way that he did. Then you know, it, I, well, we do a list of who McGregor should fight. If you come back and lose to Tony Ferguson, what do you do with McGregor at that point? 
yeah, you just say we got the Gaethje fight still there. Like, yeah, even like if if Nate if they aren't going to do the Poirier fight, then do Nate Chandler, do Dustin against Chandler. Like, yeah, there's so many that I'm happy to see. Like I said, it was the Gaethje quote, wasn't it, where he said like we should be fighting in a coliseum, like where we're fighting to the death. There's no rounds. We just keep going. And I guarantee you that'll be me coming out of it. Chandler is very much cut from that same cloth. And he's done pretty much everything right. We always say about losing in the right way. And it's like, he's, he's won in the right way. He's lost in the right way. He's, he's got an infectious personality where if you don't love him, then you are going to hate him. So yeah, I never thought I'd like him coming to you. I never thought I'd like him. And I can't help but like him. Fighting style and his personality, I do like the guy. Well, when he came in, he almost was doing the like Hulk Hogan, Great American Hero, like mm. <laughs> Stars and Stripes. And then I think he got some pushbacks in there where he was immediately in as the uh, replacement fighter for Dustin Khabib or Gaethje Khabib, one of the two. Um, and he got some stick. But as soon as he fought Dan Hooker, it was like, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, how was he tried one takedown against Gaethje? And as much as I don't want to see it, I struggle to begrudge you doing that. I mean, the way he nailed it against Ferguson was perfect, wasn't it? Yeah. And then you could see, like, even Ferguson looked a bit, oh, I wasn't expecting this. And then landed some ground and pound on it, which was pretty nice because I, I think it was you maybe on the podcast last week where you commented on him saying i'm expecting the best tony ferguson was that you that said that to me and you're like uh but what we've seen should maybe tell you you're definitely not going to be getting the best tony ferguson uh don't know i don't know if we maybe my brother um no i'm speaking the more surely got as much as they do say that like he probably got as close to the best tony ferguson as he could have expected. Yeah. If we do do the main event, then so Oliveira. Last thing on the yeah. Only on the if you say about the thing about celebrate. The interesting thing is the different culture around. You know, for example, the obvious example in boxing recently was That's, the Lee that, Wood, the Lee yeah. Wood one. It was immediately wasn't there. There's a, this idea that no, he shouldn't celebrate. Yeah. Not even questioning in the UFC. No one on comms is going. Oh, should we be? Everyone's just going all in. Interesting difference. Yeah. Molly McCann tried claiming that she didn't actually notice that the other person was still down and it's like I'd like to believe that but I can't. I was actually quite glad at the weekend that seemingly more people have aligned with my thinking that they are turning on them quickly aren't they? Yeah and I'm quite pleased to see that to be fair. Even Cam uh, Everton's number one uh, fan (laughs) messaged me and he's like you know what I'd love and I thought with you, this genuinely could go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and he messaged back like Molly McCann's getting not the fuck out. <laughs> I, was like, yeah, I can't disagree with you. She does have an incredible way of being irritating. I don't know what it is about her. Well, I find it weird that anyone can be too much of a fan of someone whose entire personality is, "I'm British, get me a bevy, lad," and people, are, "Oh my god, this is the funniest thing ever! <laughs> this is so good." And Pimblets is that on top of I am fat outside a training camp. Oh, okay, yeah, brilliant. People love that. See Tyson Fury. If he just says it's a mental health thing, then <laughs> everyone will get on board, Paddy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's bizarre. It's, it's, that is the power to 
some people are likable and some aren't. Because yeah. breaking it down, Taito Avasa is massively different. He's got a he's kind of got his own shtick, but the Shui, I'll have a beer, I'm a bit of bit of a lad. He's entirely likable. You cannot help but like that guy. Yeah, he he's only trying to natural. do whatever. It's just it just doesn't work. Yeah, he he's he's far more natural with it. Like yeah, even yeah, yeah. with Pimblet, and it works. But he is incredibly try hard. Yeah, like yeah, right, right down to the kind of jokes he makes, everything. Whereas two of us are is himself something just... that like he could tell you it's Tuesday, and there's something about it that's gonna make, that's gonna make you laugh. Yeah. Some people just have it, don't they? Some people just yeah. have that. Um, so we had Oliveira miss weight on Friday. We've heard the kind of controversy with the scales in the hotel although only one other person missed weight, I believe. Um, if you listen carefully, you can still hear the violin playing for Oliveira now. Oh, Gaethje, Gaethje did point out in one of his interviews where he said, this is the fourth time he's missed weight, by the way. Like, jeez. This isn't a new thing. Well, they originally they forced him up a weight class when this is why for a while he was fighting cans because he just could not settle into a weight class. And when mm. they would do the thing like they did with John Lineker, where they would force you around. Um, so yeah, he said fourth time he's missed weight. I don't know the exact numbers, but it's definitely more than once. And he, then he said, and Matt Schnell said this, he said he got up at 7.30 AM on weigh-in day and was told, just so you know, the scales are out. He said, so I thought I had 0.4 left to lose and I had 1.2. Right. And he's a flyweight. <laughs> and he said, and I still made weight. We were told right as soon as we woke up on the day, you might want to check your scales compared to this one because there is something there. And that's an issue in itself. That can be a thing that they don't use digital scales. Yeah, um, it does seem mad. But everyone was you know made aware of it, they say. Um, even the only other, I think it was a lady, it might be Carnalosi that missed weight. So whoever else missed weight, even they said, yeah, I was aware fairly early on. Um, so he then weighs in, I think, last of everyone. is given the extra hour. Still can't make it. It's a, it's, a, it's a bad look. And I saw people saying, well, then it should just be a non-title fight. So, well, so what's Gaethje's incentive then to still take the fight? Um, and then there's people saying, okay, well, a fight should just be called off. It's like, well... What sense does that make for <laughs> just if you're having a bad cut, just don't worry, you keep hold of your belt. Yeah. It's been a thing. Everyone is more sick here, by the way. Don't worry about it. Everyone's bought the pay per view, don't worry yeah. about it. The people say this are the people who um we get it free over here anyway, or at least just with a subscription, are the people that are privileged enough where they don't really need to worry about the seventy five dollars they're playing. Like, mm. Ariel Hawani, I agree with a lot of the stuff he usually comes out with, but his constant like pick me stuff for fighters like was just so bad over the weekend the more i think about this the more horrible it is for Oliveira that that commissioner actually did weigh him in properly usually yep. they turn a blind eye like, what the hell is, what <laughs> yeah. the hell is wrong with you and the collective bargaining thing i i thought he was using this as a way to advance arguments he was making yeah, which are separate is, to the argument on this i thought what does the collective bargaining even mean in that situation yeah like, yeah yeah, we're collectively bargain that you don't have to make weight. He was like, it's only half a pound. So, okay, but if someone's then 0. 0.6, do we say yeah. it's only 0. 0.6? Yeah, oh, it's only a pound. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And, and then I saw Gaethje getting flack because he posted the fact he weighed in early. He's like, well, I'm already up to 165. People said, well, you're a weight bully. And he was like, 
Well, look, as much as I don't disagree with the kind of merits of this, the game's the game. Everyone's doing the exact same thing. I'm just following the rules. Well, yeah, this is it. If nobody else is rehydrating, then you yeah. would be a bully. He said, I is. got up and I weighed in as one of the first people because I know that I have longer to Common fuel sense, myself back up. If you can do that, then why would you not? Now, in terms of... I just thought it was bizarre that normally you have a, a mixed bag to... When someone misses weight, you normally have people yeah. caning them and then you have some people to kind of apologise. This was just almost unanimously feeling bad for Oliveira, I saw. This is a bit weird. Yeah, it was, it was weird. Now, in terms of Gaethje and Tilly's intelligence, I think that was where it ended because as a big of a fan of, I, of his I am, I was quite disappointed in the way that he approached the fight. Yeah, agreed. In that there's being reckless and then there's being stupid. And yep. I understand he was buzzed early. His chin must be deteriorating because I know Charles can hit, but he doesn't hit like scary, scary power like that where the first time he touches you, you're on Queer Street. On the flip side, we probably have underestimated his power a bit. Yeah. Years, yeah. When you look at what he's done to I said, Gloria, I thought, Man, Chandler now. He was going to knock him out. I didn't think with the first jab he touched him with that he was going to be... He, he really hurt him as well, didn't he? The leg yeah. was shaking straight away. And then Gaethje, one of the good things with him is the way he can regain his composure. As soon as he hurt him back, like he swung himself off his feet. And yeah, like, that's crazy. A, a sure sign. His whole thing of I'm gonna make him I'm gonna make him quit. Like that's where that's educated pressure. That's grinding a guy yeah. down. You're not gonna make him quit doing that. No. And all you're doing is risking yourself by putting yourself off balance where you can take your back, where you're swinging yourself off your feet and you can check a leg kick and really do you some damage. Mm. It, it was just disappointing in the way that he did it and and when he did hurt him it was the controlled shots it wasn't the big wild ones no. it was when he was thinking about what he's doing the kick the shots coming off the even, leg kicks because they were both in exchanges as well where he was rolling and picking the right shot to yeah. drop him after that and then when uh, there was like a lull in the action he would initiate by like swinging You're like what are you doing yeah people have pointed out that Oliver has done very well to play the game in that people are so terrified to go to the ground with him that he gets that extra few seconds to regain composure. Like, he's not actually doing anything wrong there. Oh, he's he goes, it, hasn't he? He goes down, the ref says, get up. He gets up, and then you carry on. Like, if people don't want to go down with him, and then on the opposite side, anytime anyone even goes near the canvas, they're so, so terrified of being down there with him that they then make mistakes. Yeah, you're going to have to lay the guy out cold, aren't you? Because basically, if you hurt him, he's going to go down like that. You're not going to follow him. Yeah. And he's got enough pop that when it goes back to the feet, he's dangerous. So he's got almost all the, the tools you could want. It's a, it's a more uh, it's a more refined version of what Nate tried doing in the second Connor yeah. fight, didn't he? Where he, kept, like, he went down and just went down. He's like, Connor's not going to follow you. Yeah, for Doom, obviously. But... Yeah, he did it as a kind of uh, almost like a shtick. But with, with this, we said last week, and I'm pretty sure we said it after the Poirier fight where, like, we shouldn't even mention this quitting thing when it comes to anymore. Like he's clearly a different guy. Like, yeah, it, it is a thing where we can say, okay, you quit once you can like, you can lose once. It doesn't mean you're going to lose every time. Like, he, he's very good. He knows exactly what he is. He's strengthened the areas that need his strengthening. He's got the jujitsu. He's got the takedowns there. Like he was taking down Kevin Lee, uh, He's got the length, which has a striker like Gaethje to, to get inside, which just meant he was going to be caught on the end of his shots every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's he's about 
I was going to use the word erratic, which which isn't the word. He's he's an urgent to, as urgent a finisher as we've seen as well. Like he doesn't hang around. He doesn't. No, you're right. Let you back up, and he, he doesn't. Once you're down, he's collecting your neck, and he's taking it home with him. Each of these last three finishes have been ruthless, haven't they? Just totally ruthless. Yeah. Because bearing in mind, they've had some success each time against him and not been able to capitalise him. He's capitalised as soon as he's had his bit of success. He's on you. Yeah. Gaethje fought the one grip off and then as soon as he lifted it back up, he just connected a stronger grip on the other side, palm to palm. And then the helplessness from Gaethje. I do think when you've made such a big thing about tapping beforehand, you probably do just have to go out. And that's very easy for us to say, but... If you're well, holding we before, and... thing about tapping, have we? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You're right. So, one guy mean... looked like he had a game plan there. One guy looked like he didn't, didn't it? Which, really, frankly. When all we've said about Trevor Whitman before, and last mm. time he was on, was yeah. they had Usman against Masvidal two. You had Rose against Wei Lee one, and you had uh, Gaethje Chandler, as I said, and they won all three. And then this time they go over two. Where it goes, the, uh, the the part of the issue isn't for Gaethje is that he's seems caught between found himself that he was too good to just be the wild man, most violent, or whatever. He's better than that, but now he seems to get in the big fight and decide, no, I'm just the wild man who's going to swing. He's got more to his game, and it's like yeah. he gets in that cage and forgets it in a way. As much as they've got uh, some fun fights for him, they also have just some horrible guys in mm. lightweight that. If you're gonna get back to the belt, you're gonna to have to go through like he doesn't need to be fighting Makachev, like or Darius, frankly. Either of those aren't no. fun for him, are they? No, I think the Darius one could be fun, but he's gonna to have to keep himself on his feet. Um, but then on the other hand, like I'll watch you against Poirier again. I'll watch you against uh, pretty much anyone yeah. other than those, you know, those types who are just gonna be very special yeah, trying to get into the floor. Begging for the Nate fight previously, and that feels like an easy one to make for me, but yeah, Wait, yeah, probably Nate fair. Look at that and be like, I'm going to win. But then Nate looked at the fight on Saturday and tweeted, I tapped Charles so easily he's a pussy. So. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, there give me the confidence of Nate Diaz to just go, yeah. just ignore all evidence to the contrary and think I'm the best in that division. I think we'll call that one a day there because we've gone two hours 37. So That's plenty, mammoth. Yeah, plenty to get into. That's uh, like a Thursday or Friday pod. But thank you for listening. We'll be back depending on the North London Derby result next week. But I'll see you for a movie pod, maybe two movie podcasts a week moving forward. So uh, we'll see you then. Goodbye.